to the Mostly Potted at Night. Mostly, I am Salem, joined by my co-host, Graveyard. Hello. This is episode 25 of our weekly All Things Horror podcast. Tonight, we'll be diving into our first installment of the works of Dario Argento. Uh, this episode will include Suspiria, Tenebrae, Demons 1 and 2. Yes, I know Dario Argento did not direct Demons 1 and 2, but he is... Uh, he was co-writer and producer and heavily involved in the making of, uh, just based on their famous level of those movies we're including them here. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they were actually directed by Lamberto Bava, who's the son of the great Mario Bava, also one of the masters of Italian horror. Yeah. I'm, I'm, um, excited. I'm excited for these, like I said, we, we'll, we'll, as we get into these, but yeah, I mean, Italian horror, especially 70s and 80s, you know, we tend to overlook that, I feel, in this country a bit. But they are definitely part of, you know, what should have been part of our childhood, I'd say. Well, yeah, you'll find a lot of people that will bring up old Italian horror stuff, um, but you won't find a lot of people who have actually watched them. Right. <laughs> so I think people recognize how, how influential and important they are. And just not many people actually watch them or watch more than one. Correct. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. I mean, I, I, oh, I yeah. didn't talk about how great Italian horror was. I knew that Italian horror was a big uh, factor into it, but I hadn't really watched a whole lot of them. A couple yeah. few, but not these. So correct. I'd I'd probably say the Italian horror would probably be zombie and cannibal holocaust. <laughs> for me. Yeah, I did watch zombie before the Lucio Fulci's zombie. Yeah. I did watch that before. Um, because I was I was trying to do like uh watch like all movies in the zombie realm <laughs> at yes. one point in time, and that was there's one a, of them. There's a, there's a lot in that zombie franchise yes well there's a lot especially in that era like i mean european horror around that time was a lot of zombies right and or well, things that can be considered zombies yeah i think uh, I, he's gonna be another you know writer director spotlight that we're gonna do um especially because it does tie in it's like i think zombie four they call it evil dead four <laughs> <laughs> which was very confusing when i first had internet looked that up and go what well, yeah, it's just the translation. But. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so we will start off with Suspiria. Uh, and I believe you're going to start the recap of this one. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so interesting enough, you know, there's you have the two different releases that exist. You have, obviously, the original Italian release where everything's in German and Italian. And you can get, you know, the dub version or the subtitle i happen to have both as i found out <laughs> well i'm a purist i watched an italian <laughs> with subtitles um i'm not actually a purist that was just the only <laughs> version i could find so that's the version that i watched yes yes um but yeah it was i was, I was watching like oh no <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway so uh, surprisingly enough this it follows an american actress and an American student who her name's Susie. We're not gonna just call her, you know, protagonist one. <laughs> I'm just making sure we have her name. Um, but essentially she kind of arrives at an airport, which the airport looks very familiar and it's like the same airport as Nabra. But uh she's in Germany 
and you know it's it's pouring rain. She has, I would say, very little luggage for moving across the across the ocean to a different place and living there for. Well, like yeah, but she's years. also she's also like a ballerina, so all of her dancing clothes are really really tight. <laughs> so they probably take up a lot less room in the suitcase. Is what I'm guessing is is happening here. And that's 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 fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she gets picked up by a cab, and it's funny that she's trying to like practice her German on him, and he could not. Un- the taxi driver could like not understand her. So she's like writing it down. Well, it, uh, it, yeah, because she was like, you know, saying something and then he was like, oh, you mean this? And it sounded exactly the same to me. But I'm guessing that like if you're from Germany, it, you know, it could be right. two completely different words, I guess. But yeah, I think he was just being a, like a jerk about it. Oh, yeah, he was. Uh, he was pretty, pretty creepy guy, I would say. Yeah, he was. Not, <laughs> he was not nice. No. He's not. Um, a, he's not a German ambassador. <laughs> definitely poor not. American dancer girl. No. So you know. So she arrives there really late at night. What was they like ten o'clock at night, which 11. is eleven o'clock, which is really really late. Like you could plan these things out. I think a little bit better time frame wise. Well, uh, Europe is a little bit looser with time. So yeah. Um. But anyway, you know, she she gets there and, you know, the the taxi driver was actually nice enough to wait for her and not just drive away. Um, But she gets to the she gets to the dance school and, you know, this big prestigious dance school that, you know, very excited to be a part of. Um, And, you know, she like rings the the doorbell, not the doorbell, but like the intercom, like, you you know, and talking to like, I'd say a very raspy woman's voice you know it's like go away <laughs> right um and she's like wait no i'm i'm, I'm here because you know this is i'm supposed to be here i know it's late at night and just kind of nothing and then um a, uh, we assume a student at this point in time a, a, a young woman runs out of dance hall when she's getting what going talking back to the because like, you think she would let her in, or she kind of just pushed her out of the way and closed the door and it locked. Um, but anyway, this this young woman escapes and starts running, seemingly in terror, like she's running for her life. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing was, she was just like casually watching her like run through the rainy forest while she's just leaving in a cab. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. So she goes, okay, I have to go stay. You know, go to an apartment. I don't know if they really say just goes to a town stays there. I don't they don't really show that. Um but we follow then the young woman named Pat who we see almost like a slow motion run and she's like almost neck and neck with the cab as it's driving and she's running. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well I mean yeah she is a trained dancer. So <laughs> yeah. she can run on the tips of her toes, which makes her run faster than That's, car can. Yeah. Um, and so we, we kind of follow Pat, um, and she goes and ends up like, I don't know if it's her friend or like, a, almost like a sister. She treats her like a sister, I'd, I'd, I'd say. Um, but in this like really, really exorbitant apartment or hotel, probably apartment, right? And just scenery, it reminded me a lot of 
the Vincent Price stuff that we reviewed like in our second episode, like the big atmosphere, colorful, vibrant scenery, but a lot of glasswork. Well, this is yeah. it's contemporary, but this is also late seventies contemporary. Right. Oh, so, yes, that's what that's European exactly what late seventies. Right. Yeah, European <laughs> late seventies contemporary, which to us seems odd, but yes, that is that was their like top tier fashion at that time. Yeah, but like lots of red. Yes. Yes. Absorb <laughs> yes. like like the even the elevator she gets in is very sinister looking. <laughs> just a little. The big giant glass light that's just like moving around on it. Right. The yeah. I mean, goes up. Yeah. That's. I mean, throughout the whole movie, there is there is a great use of color, like fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that. I know this movie gets praised a lot for that. So we're not the, obviously the first ones knows that, but like, Argento himself is a great atmospheric builder. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, you know, so she gets in there and she's like, okay, something bad happened at the school and then she's kind of looking out the window and I don't some I'd say they look like man arms because they're so freaking hairy (laughs) I'm pretty sure they were man arms yeah starts kind of like goes through the school and she's not on the first floor mind you she's like second or third floor I don't, I don't know. Not ground floor. <laughs> not ground floor, but someone's able to get up that side of the building and starts strangling her first, but then kind of comes in and then has a knife and like really stabs her a lot. And we get to see all of it, right? So um big thing is like, you know, cuts open her chest to expose her heart. And then proceeds to slice the heart and stab the heart through that right. opening. And then, essentially, what, it was a, not even a phone cord. It was like a coax cable, I would say. Yeah, probably. Like an antenna cable. Right. Um, And then throws, on top of, you know, I think being cut open, your heart sliced open like that. And then your heart stab is pretty much you're dead. But just for good measure also hangs her from that coax cable and goes through the building's really brilliant skylight, right? It's it's beautiful. It's a good stained glass, just very colorful. And her friend was trying to figure out what's going on. Like, you know, she's like, my friend's getting murdered. She's able to hear, but she couldn't get in there. And she's like screaming, my friend's getting murdered. <laughs> to like all these other doors and no one was responding. And um then she gets down there and sees what happens, sees that, and as her friend's thrown through the skylight, you see all the glass falling down, and then we show kind of the aftermath, and she has just like a gnarly slice of glass through her, half her head. And her friend's also dead, stabbed, you know, multiple places with the glass. Yeah. Yeah, also like the, <laughs> I think it was like the metal that was holding that, that picture yeah. window together. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, this this gnarly, almost like Wolfman arms, <laughs> you know, got got a two for one, right? Um, so the, yeah, that's just kind of just we fade, and then we get into Susie coming into the school the next morning, and everyone's already going. So if she was really late the night before, and she was really late that day. It seems like there's like everyone's already up and dancing and all that stuff um 
you know, so Susie goes in there. She's like, you know, I tried coming here last night. It's like, we didn't hear anyone. You know, I, well, I saw an answer. Who? A woman. Oh, that didn't help. <laughs> yeah, the school is all women. Oh, there's some guys. <laughs> yeah, the, the the groundskeeper guy who doesn't talk. And there was like, like two dancers. Well, yeah, two dancers. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's, it doesn't narrow it down. Out of, out of the, right. the 50 students, like two of them are male. Yes. Um, you know, her stuff's there, and she's like, "Oh, by the way, I don't know if we told you, but this each each week it's fifty U.S. dollars to stay here." She's like, "Oh no, no, I'm to stay with what was it? I don't remember her name, Olga, Olga, yeah, because she didn't want to stay there because she's the one going to like essentially a boarding school is how she felt like it was, right? Right. And I did the I did the calculations. That's two hundred dollars a month for room and board and seemingly food." That translates to, you know, you know, that's twenty four hundred dollars a month. That's equivalent to twelve thousand dollars right now, American dollars. I mean, that's about normal for tuition. Yeah. I mean, that's actually decent for tuition. I mean, some of those schools go crazy, like twenty grand and up. Yeah, but you know, that's still that's still a pretty chunk of change. Like, yeah, obviously they have to work and make that money or have it and have rich parents to send them there. We don't Correct. really find out what the case actually was, I'd say. Well, back in those days, it's, <clears throat> I'm sure they're fine. Yeah. Um, And so she goes, okay, well, you know, well, well, money's not the issue. I just was going to stay with Olga. I was like, okay, you can do it. It's your it's your life. You can do with you what you want with it. Um, I'd say the head instructor or she was like Frau Frobishna. I feel in Austin Powers, she gave off that vibe, like that strict, you know, I have this stick that I'm going to hit you with, German teacher. You mean the instructor lady? Yeah. 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 The, yeah. The instructor lady had like, yeah, the high and tight haircut, the like, yeah. the like, I don't, I don't even know. How do you just describe that? Like the. Uh, like BDS, the, like a mistress from BDSM. Almost. Yeah, but it was like okay, okay, like in the movies in like the eighties or whatever. Whenever they would say like, "Oh, this East German woman," and they would always have a woman come out that's like you know very like strong looking. Yeah, and she'd always be wearing that weird kind of power suit with the skirt that goes below her knees. Yes, and like the 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 jacket that looks like a uniform. Like that's what she was wearing. Yes, and like she has like the riding whip almost. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's like, okay, well, you know, get dressed. And she's like, do you have shoes? Yeah, they're in my bag. Well, oh, well. <laughs> You'll have to get shoes from somebody else, which her shoes were there. I don't know why they could just give her, let her get her shoes from her bags, but whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the whole thing, <laughs> I don't know why they did that. It was just very odd because then, yes. like, the next scene. She borrows shoes from this other lady, and then the lady's like, "Oh, you want? You can buy them if you want." Fifty bucks. Yeah, and she's like, uh, "No, I have my own shoes. I just need them for today." And the the, she, the lady looked all offended, like, "Oh, like okay, oh, fine." Then. As long as you give them back. Yeah, and then she leaves the story <laughs> and never comes back. It's like, why are you there? Like, what was the purpose <laughs> of that? Yeah, and then essentially we get the expedition dump of oh, this American girl, <laughs> and like they start. I'd say that. Some of them start harassing her right off the bat. Well, yeah, because her name starts with an S, so she's and, a snake. And all S's, the names of being with S are for snakes. Right. 
snakes. Yeah, they kept they kept seeing at her. <laughs> and then they went into I, I, now. Okay, I've never done dance, but it looks like at the most uninstructed dance, everyone just did their own thing. Like, what are they practicing for? They're just doing their own moves, and then someone just watching them. Like, it was the weirdest dance. Like, my kids took dance class. I watched some of them. That had more instructions and coordination well, uh, and structure uh, than that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Argento was not focused on the dance aspect of this movie. No. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they didn't even hire, like, a, a dance consultant or anything. He just was like, okay, uh, you guys are dancers, so dance. Do some dance moves that you know. Right. And that was it. That was yeah. that was all that they did. Yeah. There's so, no, like you know, like could you know, formed dance or anything like that. It was just right. They're like not practicing for big ballet or no. recital or whatever. Right? Just do whatever you want to do, right? <laughs> Which we we actually see later on too. Yeah. Not dance, but like we'll, we'll get into it. Like I'd say this: a scene in Demons was the same way. Demons too, like the gym. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, and then she, Susie gets very faint. And she passes out, right? Um, and then kind of she regains consciousness. And they're like, oh, here's your room, by the way. You now owe us $50 a week. Yeah. And here's a doctor doing that you never met. And here, drink this. Let's shoot you up with this stuff. You know, and here's you. And you can only eat like, what, soup? an apple and like coffee. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they said it was uh, no rich food. It has to be all bland food. Right. And, and red wine and a big and glass wine. of red wine. So it was like all bland food and a big glass of red wine. And the other yeah. thing, the weird thing is that right before she felt faint, she got hit with that, like light beam from that, the, the weird, like kitchen lady. Yeah, just holding like a big crystal, and like she got hit with the like the reflection of the crystal, and that's what made her all faint. Yes, and the 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 uh, what what do you call her? She yeah, she's that we see her in her kitchen later on, but she looks like she could have had those manly hairy arms too. <laughs> I, I mean, it's very possible <laughs> that that was my interpretation. Like that might have been her. <laughs> um, so yeah, so essentially she's now been given drugs a strict diet because she has the vapors and now is forced to live in the school which she didn't want to do because you know, oh yeah olga kicked you out she goes what no she didn't why would she do that no she kicked you out okay and she kind of goes with it which is really odd well i yeah well it, it was kind of like a thing She's like, they're like, yeah, Olga, Olga doesn't really want you there anyway. And she's like, nah, no, Olga didn't say that. I don't, I don't believe that. And she's like, well, it doesn't matter because you have to stay here because you're sick anyway. Right. It was like they just kept coming up with excuses to keep her there, which is very, very suspect. <laughs> In the way, like, yo, you have to be here. And now they're all this crap, right? Um. So yeah, then she meets her. She has a. Does she have a roommate, or she's someone next door? Yeah, it's uh, just yeah. Sarah. She's just next door, but to yeah. Sarah, right? right? Yeah, and she becomes friends with Sarah. I'd say, and they have conversations and such. Um, you know, we are introduced to the what the headmistress. I don't know. She seems pretty odd in a way, but she was very off put by some of the things she said, and was the one that was forcing her, like, "Hey, you know, you're gonna stay here and all that stuff." So, 
She was the the vice headmistress. Vice, oh, because the head, yeah, the headmistress is the one that comes in later, right? Yeah. Um, and she's very strict, but like they're all like very. I would almost say, would you say gaslighting her to stay there? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, the yeah, the whole thing was a big <laughs> gaslight operation. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then I think then we come to one of your your favorite scenes in this movie. Um, they were what, preparing for for dinner one night, and all of a sudden, like, I thought there was some like, uh connection between Sarah and Susie because Susie starts like like violently grasping at her hair for no reason it seems like all of a sudden and then Sarah did the same thing mm-hmm. almost mimicking exactly the same thing I would say um, and, he, and she's you know pulls out her hair from a maggot and she looks in the ceiling and there's like maggots coming through the ceiling and like everyone in that floor all of a sudden there's, you know, there's maggots coming down and we see, then we are shown from the upside, right at this point, that there's like containers up there that was just overflowing with maggots, and it's coming through the floor and falling down onto the students. Well, the, the the super gross thing is that they were coming out of a salami. Yeah. Okay, and a salami is meant to be like cured and preserved and last for a long time. So do you know how long that had to have been sitting there in order for it to get rotten enough for maggots to live on it? Uh, probably when the headmistress started the school. Yeah. I mean, it's, it'll <laughs> take years, a while. 50 it'll years take, before. Yeah, it'll take a while. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Salami is cured, salted and, and you know, you didn't have fresh meat in the winter. Yeah. Like I said, it's not going to last forever, but it's, it'll last a while. Yes. Yeah, because even mold takes forever to grow on salami. Yeah. Which is interesting. So they're like, okay, everybody needs to go now sleep in like the gym or the dance studio. Right. And they're like, oh, isn't this just like camp? Ha ha ha. Yeah. Like, ha ha. Uh, hilarious. All right. <laughs> and then for some reason, okay, so they're all in there, right? And they're like, okay, let's turn the lights off. They turn the lights off, and there's like this ominous red light. Coming from and, the other side of music. the sheets, yeah, because yeah. they have like like sheets, like bed sheets, like in a circle around all the girls, because and then separate them off from like the two boys, right? Yeah, <laughs> so that's what they said. And then there's like all this right. like creepy red light coming through the sheets, and you see and then, a shadow of someone sleeping on a right. bed behind them, and they don't even mention the red light. No, it's really no. weird. Yeah, no one mentions it. There's like this weird music. There's like lady is snoring like she's a, like a like a monster or something. I mean, it sounds like she's, like a, it's like almost like an, an iron like an iron lung sound, but animalistic. Right. right. And like they're trying to fall asleep, and you know, I had a hard time hearing the rasping because the music was so loud. I'm like, all right, am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be hearing this gasping and rasping as well? <laughs> <laughs> Because they all of a sudden, like, everyone seems to fall asleep, like, with that bright light and that sound. There's no way in hell I'd be sleeping, especially if they're right behind me. <laughs> well, it's also interesting is because um, the, they don't really show it at this point, but a little bit later on they do. They show that whatever she's being fed at night uh, is has, like, sleeping drugs in it. Right. So I'm pretty sure that everyone who lives in that place is getting like sleeping drugs in their evening food. Cause their supper is at like nine 30 PM. Yeah. Like right before bedtime. So 
yeah, and then Susie does have this, uh, does like sleep through a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, she's obviously <laughs> being drugged to sleep. Yeah, like she can't stay awake. So I think that was that. That's why they were okay with all this stuff. Yeah, and then you know, Sarah, her friend Sarah was like, I heard that before when the headmistress was supposedly staying here. I heard this because she's in the room next to me or down the hall or whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. That's the same sound I'm hearing. The headmistress up here. They don't look behind them to see this blatant shadow there. And yeah. And she's like, well, she's supposed to be out of town, so this can't be here, but it sounds just like her. Um, oh, and something that yeah, at this point in time, we can also say that that Sarah, uh, Susie has a superpower where she knows exactly how many footsteps people take in what direction. <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, that's magical. It's because, yeah, magical. like later on when she's following the path, like she's far away. Like she knew room. exactly where they turned and how far. Right. And, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. To, like eight hallways through a different floor. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, she's she's got like supersonic hearing. Yeah. She's It's Xavier School for Gifted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's got like the, the miracle ear or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so kind of what the next, the next day, um, you know, they're the, the, the pianist comes in and he's blind and he has a, he has a guide dog and, you know, the shows how good his dog is. He just kind of drapes the leash over the rail because, you know, guide dogs are supposed to work that way. And then we see the head cook, whoever bring like, the most German kid I've ever seen <laughs> to yeah. the dog. He was like literally wearing Lederhosen. I mean, it was yeah. like ridiculously hair, blue German. Eye. Yeah. yeah, ridiculously German. And like they made it sound like the dog attacked him. He, you know, Hans or whatever. They would call him Hans, the kid. Hans. <laughs> Hans. Yes, Hans. <laughs> um, and then they go, your dog attacked him. And he's like, well, that my dog's never done anything like that. And they fire him and he has to find his coat that's on the floor and it's just this big dramatic scene. Yeah, well, yeah, the lady throws his coat and his blind cane on the floor. Yeah. And makes him look for it himself. It's like, wow. I mean, even if you're that really angry, it's a blind dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel sorry for the guy. You know, he'd seen But to all be- these other all the other students didn't nope. Didn't bat an eye. Didn't really nope. bother them at all. Nope. So kind of showing that. You know, the, the head instructor is just a bitch. <laughs> yeah. And they don't want to get on her bad side either. And that's what that's how I took it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably true. It was just you think yeah. somebody would have said something or, or yeah. helped the poor guy. Right. Um. Yeah. And they just like she's able, you know, because Susie's able to hear him leave and all that stuff. And then what we. Is that the do we cut to him later that night? Uh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's right around there. Yeah. And so he's walking his dog and like a gorgeous, gorgeous park. It's just wide open and just like old masonry and like gargoyles and stuff like that. Well it and- it looked it looked like um like kind of like they're I don't know, like a center of government almost. Yeah. Like it looked like uh what do they what do they call it? Um, 
I don't know whatever they yeah. call the thing in in the D, in DC. Yeah, where yeah, everything's around. Yeah, the park where you have the big water fountain. You have like Lincoln Memorial on one side and the Washington Monument. Right. That, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. They, they have a name for that area, and I can't. It's escaping me right now. Yeah. Um. But anyway, like there seems to be like an unknown or unseen force kind of following him, and it shows like a gargoyle on the building and he we cut back to it and it's not there anymore. And then all of a sudden the dog goes crazy and it's clearly a puppet on someone's hand and it rips his throat out. Yeah. But it wasn't the gargoyle. I'm like, that was a weird thing. <laughs> um but yeah his dog does turn and kill him. And then you know they hear you know that stuff. Um yeah, I mean, the dog's having a good old time eating whatever that was. There's a weirdly cut thing. But, like I said, for what they, probably the budget, it worked well. Well, yeah, it was, yeah, the dog was tearing flesh off of something. Yes. Yeah, and then the puppet hand was <laughs> yes. around his neck. Yes, correct. It's probably his own hand, honestly. Probably. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Um. So then, here we go to the students. Do they, 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 they tell him that? That he got killed by his dog. Yeah, they yeah. they do, but it's it's they just, just kind of passed over. Off. Like nobody cares, right? Yeah, nobody um, seems to say like, "Well, that's odd. He was just fired yesterday." Right. Yep. No, no one does anything. Just weird yep. coincidences. Yep. And then Sarah and Susie go swimming in probably the darkest lit pool I've ever seen. Well, yeah, we're, we're going for ambiance. We're going for atmosphere. Yes. And, you know, she's like, you know, hey, you know, my friend Pat, you know, I was the one on the intercom that told you to go away. That was me. Well, yeah. The reason why is I think I I think that she knows that inside the pool is the only place they can't hear them. Yeah. I think she's trying to tell her secret stuff. That's why they went in the pool. Yeah. Which makes sense. And she goes, you know, her, you know, I have a friend who's a psychiatrist who knows about the occult and these weird things like the school was the school is once for, you know, uh, created by this. I wouldn't say gypsy woman, but uh, an outcast of society that no one liked. And she create built the school and she dived heavily into the occult, essentially to like a witch hunt was done to her. And she died like, but like 1912, so like 60 something years earlier. Right. You know, and so he's, re- you know, and that she's been talking to him about that. Um, you know, so it's like, hey, you know, I had all these notes. You know, I've been keeping notes on this school, all these weird occurrences that are going on here. And, you know, I was going to, or no, her Pat had all the notes. And she kept them and was going to show them to her psychiatrist friend who knows about the occult. Um, and then like, and then Susie went into one of her sleeping spells cause she just had her dinner and she's like trying to get her to wake up. I would say. And then she's like, she's going to show her, but she's passed out and Sarah's going to find her notes. And we see that someone took all of them. And then she starts getting pursued. Just what gloved hands. Yes. And she goes through a couple rooms and she goes into like a storage room and has one of those 
splashes that just fall down and the the person pursuing her has a razor blade like the old school shaving razor blades and it's taking their sweet time just trying to push it up and push the bar up out of the way there's enough room for a razor blade which are those are thick blades on the old school shaving ones right well yeah well the whole thing was is i think his his wrist was like super weak yeah so he was like uh uh, like yeah. he's tapping the lock, but he just gently tapping, like hey, yeah, yeah, couldn't get the force to to open for like five minutes. Yeah, it was a long time, <laughs> unnecessarily yeah. long time. Right. So, and then she goes, huh, okay, and then she's like, I'm gonna stack these boxes, and then like that had to be a fluke. The boxes started to fall off. She was climbing them. Well, again, and how long did it take her to stack the freaking boxes? I mean, like and another the, five and, minutes. Yeah, and the guy's like, dink, dink, like still with the ra- straight razor, right. like, Trying to get in the whole time. Right, his finger probably could have fit and lifted that I, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, how hard is it? Yeah. Um, and then she goes through this window and sort to another storage room, and she falls onto what just looks like a giant disheveled slinky right <laughs> but it's acting like it's razor wire and it's like but it's not cutting her but she's trapped in it entangled yeah. in it right and she could have i mean yes it was poor lit but yes it was lit enough for us to see maybe it was supposed to be that dark she couldn't see what was there before she jumped into it I, she could have seen it. i don't know <laughs> um but yeah she's entangling that for like five minutes right. and then somehow through this other doorway the killer comes there and slices her throat right so there's no more sarah (laughs) (laughs) right um you know and then you know like and she you know Susie gets out of her drunken slumber essentially (laughs) her drug slumber Mm -hmm. and like sarah's gone oh she must have left middle night oh well let's carry on (laughs) yeah um so then she and then yeah uh so, yeah, who tells her the head, the head instructor is like, yeah, she just, she's gone. Weird. And, you know, she's talking about, and she's like talking to, was it uh, Frank on the phone, which is probably the only phone in the building and just like in the most inconspicuous spot. She's trying to talk to him about this stuff. And he's talking like, oh, yeah, that's Marcos, this Greek immigrant. Marcos is 1901. That's it. Um, it's like, we got to meet and, and talk. So they, she like she drives and meets Frank. So we get introduced to a couple of new people at this point in time. It's like, yeah, I know all these stories about here, but you know what? You know more about this guy? Hey, you, come over here. <laughs> yes, I'm a professor of the occult. What do you know about the occult and witches? You know? Um, and it has to be one, you know, what, what does she call the Covenant of Witches? She called it something like a group of witches or something he's like no 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 it's a coven and um you know he gives like the important message of without the leader they have no power which i guess is in one way of looking at covens um so well, i mean i think it depends on the coven yes absolutely <laughs> but that I mean, sure right it, it's is he just very just the occult everything occult he knows everything occult <laughs> yeah he's he's the occult guy right you know so she goes you know she's talking to 
to Frank. He's like, oh, yeah, she used, she's my friend, but she used to be a former patient of mine, which is a weird thing, which very susp- I found very suspect at that point in time, too. Well, no, they were just explaining how they, they knew each other. They yeah. don't normally do that. Most movies just don't give you an explanation as to why these people know each other. They just do. Yeah. This movie is like actually attempting to give you some kind of background as to why this guy was involved. Right. Um, but when Susie comes back, you know, that everyone left to go to this ballet, but she wasn't invited. We told you. No, you didn't. <laughs> um, she goes, okay. And then she's going to get her drug induced food <laughs> coma that she has. <laughs> And then she's like, huh, maybe I sh- maybe there's something in here. And then we get like the grossest dumping of food into a toilet. <laughs> yeah, into a toilet. Like it, it like it's it making the plop, slop, plop slop. noises. Yeah, it was disgusting. Yeah. It was like some plain, nasty, like look like raw fish. Yes. And then like I don't know, I don't know what cream of wheat. <laughs> yeah, it was like some kind of gruel or something. I don't know what it was. And then she dumps the wine into the sink as opposed to the toilet and then just stains the sink red. Well, I, I that was blood. Yeah. Wine does not do that. That was blood. And it's probably been blood this entire time. Correct. She never looked at it. Well, it's because she just drank it. She didn't bother pouring it out. Yeah. Um, And then she gets attacked by the world's crappiest fuzzball bat dear god <laughs> that bat and after she you know gets rid of the bat and then she then she goes like huh oh that's right i have a superpower about footsteps so sarah <laughs> did and she wrote down all the numbers yeah and, and told her about it when she was half asleep and so now she remembers exactly what this code means so she can follow it oh and then um I forgot to mention that so what Pat, what Pat was mumbling when she left was all she caught was something about secret and iris. Um, but yeah, then she does her superhuman strength and then starts following to uh, the headmistress, the head, the head instructor's footsteps. The, and vi- the vice mistress. Vice mistress. Yeah. And she follows her perfectly down lots of areas that she's never heard from her room. <laughs> Correct. And then she goes into a room that's just pretty decorated ornate, right? And then she sees flowers and like here's, you have to push this certain what, blue fl- fi- flower and it opens up a secret door. And then she continues to follow around the area until she finds um, them talking about her and here, like, okay, you know, we have to get rid of Susie. She, she's become a nuisance. We must get rid of her. We must kill her. And you see, you know, the vice mistress, you hear that, see the head instructor, you see, like, the groundskeeper, you see the cooks, you see the German boy. <laughs> All there. Um, And then she's like, oh, she's she needs to get out of it. And she finds going through like these heavy curtains, finds a coffin with Sarah's body and just horribly mangled. I would say, it's fair. Um, yeah, and then you know she starts getting 
uh, she gets noticed, and she's hiding through these, I'd say, relatively see-through curtains. And, like, big gape appearance of the guy can't find her. The, the, the servant that doesn't speak, because he doesn't speak a language she knows. Hungarian. He speaks Hungarian. Hungarian. Yeah. And then eventually she finds herself in the bedroom, and she hears, we see that shadowy silhouette behind a curtain with the same heavy, raspy breathing. And she goes, okay, so, you know, this is weird. And she's like, okay, I got to get out of here. She knocks over some glass, a glass bird of some sort. Um, and then she takes a piece of the broken glass and is like, okay, I need to kill this woman. She, like, has that recollection memory of kill the head of the coven and the rest will die. She opens the curtain and then no one's there. Um, and all of a sudden we have essentially a deadite Sarah come slowly after her. <laughs> and like the room starts spinning, starts being windy. And then she, what, lightning flashes. And you can see that the person's just invisible. We can see the silhouette stabs the witch, uh, which is Marco's. And then, essentially, then her Sarah's corpse vanishes, and the school starts, like, exploding all around here. And fires start breaking out, so then she has to escape. She sees that, like, everyone that's part of the coven is now dead after she killed Marco, stabbing her. And then, yeah, she, yeah, the school starts imploding, she escapes out back into the rain as the school is consumed by fire. The end. The end. So, I'll go first on on my first thought. This is my first time seeing this that I can even recall. I've I know of I guess the scenery and the coloring stuff like that because they have the red room, they have a yellow room in the dance school. Um, and I thought this was a great movie. Um, I don't know why. We probably didn't watch these growing up because they weren't on TV, and we really probably couldn't rent them from the video store, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like I said, this very reminds me of you know all the Vincent Price, you know Edgar Allan Poe movies, just the atmosphere, the ambiance, everything in place. And I thought it worked really, really well. You know, yes, we had like the same song over and over and over, <laughs> but. Yeah, overall, like I said I think this was a fantastic movie. I wish I didn't wait this long to watch it. What about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I had, I mean, this is my first time watching it as well. Um, I had been aware of it for a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, when I when I was a kid, obviously, I didn't really have the opportunity to watch it or rent it or anything. Or if I did, I didn't know what it was. You know, I didn't. Right. I have no idea. Well, it wasn't until I was an adult and, you know, getting into horror when, you know, people had mentioned it. And it always, it's been on my list for a long time. I mean, uh, most of his movies have been on my list to watch for a long time. I just haven't gotten to the point because I knew, like, once I watched one, I would want to watch, you know, all of them (laughs) in a row. And, you know, and I just haven't had a lot of time to do that. You know, I don't want to research further, blah, blah, whatever. Um, So, yeah, they've been on my list for a long time. I just have to go. But yeah, I mean, watching it, I mean, you could really tell, I mean, in this movie, because I mean, most people say that this is probably his best movie or one yeah. of his best. 
Uh, I mean, right, yeah, we really see he's a master of his craft. He really is. I mean, just the the atmosphere that he built. I mean, again, I was talking about you know the, just the use of color that he has. Um, I mean, stuff like that. I mean, you know, some of the acting is questionable, but I mean, the way that he presents it, it doesn't matter, right? You know what I mean? Because I mean, the whole package is is so good as it is that you know even some questionable acting is is okay because the whole thing is is still fantastic. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, we'll probably cover his remake at some point. We, uh, only one of his movies has been remade, and it's Suspiria, as like forty years later. Yeah, now um, that I've I have seen that one. the The remake I had seen a while ago. How how close would you say it, it came to the this? Um, I haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> the, the spirit of it is definitely there. I mean, the, the, exactly what they were trying to do, you know, what, the spirit of what he was get, trying to get across in this one is definitely there. Um, the remake is a lot more focused on, um, like, the actual dancing part. Okay. Like, there's a lot of, like, you know, performance dance. Like, you can tell they were all a, a like, dance troupe school, like, all working on one, um, you know, like, show yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, like, traveling show, whatever it is. They yeah. were all working on that, and like you know, and the, this new student was coming in to be a part of that, and she was replacing like one of their best dancers, and they were like, "Oh, we don't think you're good enough," and then she had to like prove herself. So the dancing part of it was a lot bigger piece of it. Yeah. Um, and then they went. I was they probably went more into the whole occult aspect of it. Like now, at, visually, at the visually, end. yeah, visually though, how did it compare? Oh yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the spirit of it is definitely there. I mean, like visually, atmospherically, yes, it was it was very very similar. Okay. Um, I mean, it's but this same basic plot line happens. Okay. Um, it's just you know again, it's just you know a little bit different of package. They focus on a little bit different of things. It's just you know it's a modern remake of an older movie. But, okay. Um, it's great. Uh, yeah, Dakota Johnson stars in it. Yeah. Um, she is actually a good actress. If you only know her from. Fifty Sage of Grey, you know. That's you all watch I know other movies that yeah, you watch other movies that she's in because she is very, very good. As the Fifty Shades is that doesn't speak well. I've never seen the Fifty Shades, but I know how bad they are. Yeah, uh, but yeah, okay. like a lot of other movies that she did was good. Like I mean, what was it uh, a Night at the El Royale? She was yeah. great in um, Peanut Butter Falcon. If you've ever seen that, she was great in that. So, you, so you suggest watching the remake as well? It's a worthy remake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know if you want to watch them in a row, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's definitely a decent movie. I enjoy it. Okay, so either we'll get to it, or I'll just watch it on my own. I'll watch it, though. Mm-hmm. All right, so what about highlights for you from Suspiria? Um, highlights are, I've already touched on it. Uh, it's basically just the, um, you know, the, the presentation, the whole, you know, the cinematography, um, the use of color. I mean, just the, you know, the craft. Yeah. That that is used to make it. this movie, yeah, yeah. Is, is is just fantastic. It's just outstanding. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. That and for this coming what nineteen seventy seven, yeah, we yeah weren't, right around. We, then, yeah. I mean, we we discussed this off off pod. We'll discuss here. Just touch on briefly that we weren't seeing this type of kills in America in nineteen seventy seven. We didn't get this until the 80s, I would say. Like that graphic. A lot of stuff was always off screen that we got. And we always saw the aftermath. But, you know, yes, they were close ups. Yes, we didn't see like the wide area shot of it. Yeah, some of them looked cheesy, but they were still pretty good effects. And that we didn't really see 
in American cinema, I would say at that point in time, this was solely like Italian thing, like the video um, nasties. Yeah. Well, yeah, you guys, yeah, we know Italy, France. I mean, those, these, you know, those cultures at that time saw it as an art form and just yeah. saw it as, you know, it's just a different form of art. You know, they didn't really bother them at all. They're, they're used right. to like out, you know, shocking art. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But just it was the more conservative stuff, which is, you know, unfortunately the U S and the UK were like yeah. very concerned with stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, the U S had, you know, they were marking everything as X that was like, you know, questionable, you know, yep. even like midnight cowboy got labeled, X, you know, I mean, just because it had questionable things in it that they didn't want people to see, so they would just slap an X on it. So, yeah, basically, anybody that wanted to market to the U.S. knew that they had to, you know, pull punches in order to yes. make it. Up until the 80s, I'd say right. Friday the 13th showed a lot of gruesome kills. We'll have to find the first one that was able to do that. Yeah, I mean, eventually they just started pushing the line and it. Yeah. became fine but it was a lot of the things it was a lot of the those movies that got those original x ratings that had to that fought hard to get rid of them um and then once they did it basically became a rule that like don't put x on these movies anymore right and so they didn't that's fair that's fair yeah the highlights for me are definitely the same thing as yours the art form the cinematography just the the sets were just all part of the movie. They were mm-hmm. just particularly thought out and crafted perfectly, I'd say. Yeah. All right. I think I know what your low point is, but what's your low point? <laughs> low points. Uh, low points. There are two. I mean, one, obviously bugs. I don't like bugs. <laughs> There's a lot of them. They're gross. They're like real bugs. There's people like stepping on them. They were everywhere. It was disgusting. Um, and that and that bat. That bat was like the worst bat thing i've ever seen the only good part about that bat is like she eventually like uh, put a towel over it and it fell on the ground and then she like beat it to death (laughs) with like a piece of wood under the towel and that was kind of brutal because like the blood was like soaking through the towel which was interesting but the actual bat itself was ridiculously fake and very stupid looking yes um yeah, I mean, I, I warned you. I'm like, we, we we watched this at the same time, separately, obviously, but I was a little bit ahead of you. I'm like, all right, we should be warned. <laughs> this is your bug alert. <laughs> I saw him like, oh, he said, I'm not going to like this. <laughs> yeah, then when he said that, I, I paused it. I went up and got another drink. <laughs> I was like, all right, got to get loaded up for this. Yeah, like I said, that, that I mean, bugs don't really bother me. So that that's not that. The bat, though... Yeah, that bat was pretty bad. Like if everything else, they skimped on the bat. It yeah, feels like. right. Yeah, it's like I don't know why that. But again, I don't even know that bat scene was even there. Like it didn't do anything. I don't understand what that bat scene was about. Right. The, as far as we're aware, the bat wasn't controlled by Coven. So right, she yeah. just she beat it to death with a stick, and then it was over. It was right. Like I don't, it didn't mean anything. It didn't do anything. I don't understand why it was even there. But whatever. And, and I, I'll go with Hans as well. Hans was Hans. <laughs> Hans, yes, Hans. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, was, the actual dancing that they were doing was was ridiculously bad. That too. Like I said, I'm no dance expert, but I, I know when my kids were, you know, four in dance class, they had more structure than that class. Right. <laughs> so, all right. So, for these this this episode, we are doing number of eye gouges out of ten because. Italian filmmakers seem to have a tendency to show 
eye stuff. <laughs> yeah, stuff going into eyes, eyes being crushed, eyes being squished. Yes, there are there's a lot. Yes. Eyes pulled out. Yes, absolutely. Yes, a lot. Um so yeah, I'll I'll go I'll go first. I eye gouges out of ten. I said this is this movie really surprised me. Um just that bat really just marked it down, but I'm gonna go to, to probably eight point five just because of the atmosphere and stuff like that. Like I felt it was really, really good. You know, there's like I said, the bat could have been better. Um just some of the acting could have been better, obviously, but overall a fantastic movie. What about you? Yeah, I was I was also gonna give it eight point five eye gouges out of ten. Nice. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, great overall. I mean, again, you know, seven is my line for rewatches. I would definitely rewatch this movie. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's a fantastic movie. It's now um, probably going to go in the rotation at some point. But yeah, so now I'm excited to watch even more uh, of his movies after this. Oh yeah, yep. I can, I I'm excited. Just mm-hmm. stuff that we haven't seen that's old, and this is why we do this podcast is to go back and have reasons to watch these movies right? that we missed out on, especially stuff like this. I really, really did. Um, all right. Why don't you bring us into our next movie then? Uh, our next movie is Tenebrae. Um, some people say Tenabre or, or whatever. Uh, it is not an English word. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the word it translates to like darkness or shadows. Um, but they went with Tenebrae. <laughs> uh, so essentially, um, it opens up to uh, like a strange kind of narration uh, of a guy reading, or I should say a being <laughs> reading from uh, a, like a book, right? Yes. Yep. Um, and then as, you know, reads from the book, and then we find out that, um, you know, somebody got killed, and then this book is stuffed in her mouth is that this one yeah okay so pages from the book are are stuffed in this woman's mouth and then her throat is like cut with a razor yes um and and anyway and then that's kind of the intro to the movie and then we go to um a guy on a plane and the guy is the writer of the book the book yeah peter and the the book is called tenebrae uh, but it, he's like a horror uh, mystery writer, so it's kind of like a you know Dean like a, yeah. yeah well yeah but it, yeah it, it sounds like he's more like a like a mystery type thing like a detective kind of novel but with like a horror bent on it is what it sounds like his kind of genre is. Oh, it makes sense because of what they discuss and who he compares some his writings to. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so he is, yeah, essentially, uh, he's an American writer, um, and he's going to Rome for a, uh, like a press tour, you know, like a book signing tour kind of thing. Um, so he gets to, um, Rome, uh, his agent is John Saxon. I mean, it wouldn't be the eighties without John Saxon. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, so, well, it's odd <laughs> seeing John Saxon in a not cop role. I thought he, for sure he was a cop. Somehow yeah. he's a cop. It's nope. usually he's usually a cop or some kind of like tough guy. <laughs> and this is a very rare movie where he's not either of those. Things. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, he does not fight at all in this movie, which is it's interesting. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, so his agent is John Saxon. Uh, he's basically telling him that, you know, he's been like the number one writer here for like 12 weeks. Everybody loves him. Um, so we're going to go on this press tour, right? So he gets home. He gets home. There's police already in his new apartment. Yeah. Um, and the police are there to question him because obviously this person that was killed, um, like it was pages from his book stuffed in her mouth and she was killed in the same way that the character in the book was killed. Yes. Um, so they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, we got to, you know, interview you. And he's like, well, obviously it wasn't me because I was on a plane, <laughs> right? Like I couldn't have done it, you know? And they're like, yeah, yes. we know, but, you know, we still have to interview you anyway. Uh, so interviewing him, um, you know, they don't really get a whole lot of information. He just basically learns that somebody kills them, you know, using his book as a template. Yep. Um, so he goes to like this press junket kind of thing. Um, there's this woman who like very oddly like tries attacking him it's just for the time period, I think is what makes it so odd. Um, she attacks him and like, don't you think your book is sexist? Like all the, all the victims are women. Like, don't you think that's degrading women? I thought that was just odd for like, what was it? 82. Well, this movie yeah, came out. Right. But she also goes, she's like, you know me, you know, that's not how I am. That's just what happens in the book. Right. <laughs> Like get over it, <laughs> right? But and then That's the funny thing, yeah. yeah. The funny thing is, like, once like she turns the business off, they're buddies, right? They're like friends, and she's like, "Oh, haha!" Like we should go have dinner and stuff. And it's just very odd. Like she's like hot and cold like that. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, but anyway, you know. So he basically goes, "Okay, yeah, we'll meet up." Um, you know, at at some point in time, uh, in in the future, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. And there's some scenes where he's like working with his secretary who, who then comes to Rome to help him um, because he's got ideas. He wants to write down. So he needs a typewriter. Um, he's kind of seems like a prima donna kind of person. Right. Very convoluted. Right. Self-indulgent. Right. Like yeah. Um, yeah. So he goes on this uh, talk show with like this guy and the, the talk show is supposed to be like a kind of light, you know, like a, um, what do you call it? Like a, like an Ellen or like a, like a Kelly Clarkson type of show. It's like a light show, right? They're not supposed to do yeah. the heavy hitting questions. And this guy in like the green room conversation is hitting him with like heavy stuff. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, so it sounds like you want to kill perverts in your book. Like, he's like, Whoa, where are you? Get, where are you getting this from? Like, what are you talking about? I mean, just like heavy handed stuff. And he's like, is this normally what you talk about? He's like, no, 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 this is just my own personal questions. Yeah. They, and we'll they, talk about something else later. They talk about the perversions of humanity a lot. Right. Right. Yeah, so he's like, okay, that's odd. So they go off, they do the show, and the show is normal. They don't ask any weird questions like that. Um, and then afterwards, uh, the woman that accused him of being sexist um, has a weird relationship with her roommate slash girlfriend. Yes. Um, and so they, they, they talk about the the uh, yeah the the uh, what the latin lesbo <laughs> yeah yeah well that's yeah that's anyway that's that's later on but the, right now yeah. it's like yeah they're obviously like they're in a bar together or no they're yes. in like a pool hall or something anyway there's a guy playing like video games that the, like her girlfriend is attracted to so she yeah. like invites this guy to come back to her house and the, the funny thing is like her she is like incapable of keeping her nipples in this dress they're Absolutely. just flopping out and, like every time she takes a step they're just out 
Well, I mean, in hey, fairness, good for you. It, it is it is Italy, I guess. They are a little bit more open there. Maybe that's the normal thing. I don't know. Just in fairness, me. later on, we see her that she doesn't know how to hold a towel over herself. That's correct. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, she does the same thing there. So I don't know. Maybe she's she like. How do I hold this towel? I just hold it down in the middle of me, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's anyway <laughs> odd. But anyway, so she like brings this guy home and she says, oh, yeah, don't bother coming home. You know, I'm going to be you know busy for an hour or whatever. Right. Um. So she comes home after an hour and her room, you know, she is just pissed off at her roommate. And it's obvious that like they're in a relationship, but they obviously had some kind of conversation about being in an open relationship. Um. But she, even though allows it to happen because she knows she said it was OK, is still very, very upset that it's happened. Calls her whore. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, they're fighting back and forth, and it's just, yeah, not a good situation. I don't know. Again, it's kind of progressive, but again, this is in Italy, right? Yeah. (laughs) Italy and and France and those, they're a little bit further up the ladder of, uh, you know, sexual openness than we are. So in 82, they're dealing with stuff that (laughs) that we're dealing Dealing with with now. now? Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, so essentially, you know, they get in a fight. She goes in a room, you know, closes the door, gets angry. Blast music. Yeah, blast music. Well, the, yeah, the one upstairs is blast music, whatever. Um, and then she essentially gets attacked. Um, well, the one who was. Well, first, first we have a 10 minute scene where we go around to every window of that house playing. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot. Yes. But yeah, essentially yeah. she gets attacked um, and killed. Yeah, uh, by the same killer, obviously, and this killer yep. poses her to be like just like the the death in one of the books, and and's taking pictures and stuff. Like obviously, this is like a staged kind of thing, right? Um, and he goes and he kills the other roommate as well. Um, also poses her, takes pictures and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you know, oh, I should I should also I forgot to mention that the cops received a letter. For the the our author guy, Peter, yeah, um, that was like it's typed up in like a ransom note, you know, <laughs> cut out letters like pasted to a piece of paper, um, and it was like a line from his book. So like they're showing that like this is the guy who committed the crime, and he's doing it for you because he knows you're here. Yes. Um, and then so the second one, you know, these two deaths. Uh, he gets another thing in the mail, but this one isn't a line from his book. This one is, like you said, it's a, something about lesbos and like punishing, you know, yeah, perversions, human perversions nature. or something. Yeah. Um. So essentially, at this point, um, the guy goes, "Okay, this sounds exactly like that dude that was interviewing me, right? Right. And so yeah. he's got this like little helper driver guy, yeah, um, who's like seventeen or something. Comes out um, of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he's and he's like, okay, you're coming with me. We're gonna go to this guy's house, and we're gonna check it out. And they're like, yes. uh, he's like, okay. So they go they go to the guy's house. They're like checking it out. Um, and as he the one dude, or no, hold on, does the girl come- happen before this? Yes, the with the most athletic dog I've ever seen. Yes, yes. yes so the girl, the girl <laughs> scene happens right before because I was yeah okay. So the girl <laughs> scene happens right before this. There's a girl who's like the landlord's daughter. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's also like seventeen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. As we're introduced to her. She like what is she like fixes a light switch or something that but we're kind of introduced. But, to but her. Peter seems to be flirting with her. Yeah, it was odd. Yeah. 
she does something, but yeah, but yeah, she she essentially like finds the killers there. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, After leading, being leading by up the world's to that. most athletic dog. Right, yeah, she walks past this dog who's like it's like a Doberman and it's barking it, and it's behind like a ten foot fence. It's a huge yes. fence. Yes, and she's like going up to. I don't know what she was trying to even do to it, like trying to talk to it or or bark back. I don't know what she's doing. Anyway, the dog jumps this ten foot fence, climbs it. Yeah, yeah, and it climbs it and jumps it and chases it. There's this extended chase sequence where she's jumping multiple fences and I mean going all over the place. She gets bit several times. She's like bleeding. Um, she has this leg wound that sometimes is there and sometimes it's not. Like yep. sometimes she's limping, sometimes she's running fine. It's it's all over the place. Anyway, so yeah, so she basically gets into the killer's lair. On accident. Um, on accident. Um, and even though she's like, you know, the landlord's daughter of the writer's landlord. I mean, it's extreme coincidence, but whatever. Um, so she goes into the lair and she finds all these like pictures like of dark room. Yeah. Pictures of the death you know, of the bodies and all these like, you know, pages of the book that have been like cut out and, and like categorized and, and, dissected with notes all over and so she's like taking the stuff and like stuffing it in her pockets um and then she tries to go out like the back door which ends up going to this like i don't know if it's supposed to be like a living room like a jungle living room i don't know what it is something like that yeah. it's it's bizarre it's some kind of bizarre italian home design that i don't get um she goes up there um and then essentially you know a person is there and the person kills her um chases her out into the yard and then kills her. And then that the next morning we get a weird scene of somebody mowing the lawn. Yes. Um around her body and then like, you know, mowing over all the pictures and notes and stuff that she stole that was yep. all over the ground. Anyway, then we cut to the guy saying, Hey, I know this guy. Let's go to this guy's house, bringing the seventeen year old kid with them. Um, they go there, uh, and this is obviously we as the audience know, this is the same living room that the girl was in the weird jungle living room. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we see the guy who is the host of the show, like uh, the kid the the 17 year old kid goes around and sees this dude. And he's like, got notes in his hand. Like he's obviously the guy now, right? Like right. he can obviously see that it's him. Uh, and then he gets attacked. Yep. Not the kid, but the, the, the guy gets attacked. With an axe. Yeah, with an axe. The with the killer, right. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets, yeah, he gets a hip killed with the axe. Like, something flies through the window and breaks the window. Um, The kid, like, has, like, a mental break or something. Yeah. And runs away. And then he goes back to where uh, Peter was. And Peter is, like, you know, had a, has this head wound. And there's, like, a bloody rock nearby. And he's yep. like, oh, I, I got hit in the head with the rock. It must have been the killer. That's how he, you know, he must have slipped past me and got to, to you. That's how he. The guy, so they like escape and leave. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. He starts cleaning up, and it's like massive head wound, like even blood coming from the gun in front of his face. Right, like about head trauma. You should go see someone. No, no, I don't. I I don't remember anything, but I think I'm fine. Yeah, and he just puts <laughs> a band aid on his bald spot, and then he's fine. Like right, that band aid is there for the rest of the movie. But, yes, <laughs> <laughs> but but now he's totally fine. Um, so at this point, you know, um, the the police, you know, 
thought or had, I guess, had suspected that this guy was the killer, but now is like, well, he can't be right because he was killed yeah. by the killer. Because now there's, uh, you know, two witnesses kind of saying that it was him. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. And then, and then, yeah, I think this is where John Saxon is waiting for someone in the square. Right. Well, uh, before this, like he goes to his agent, um, basically saying, like, I need to get out of here. I need to leave. I need to go yeah. back. Like, I need to go somewhere. I need to go back home. Like, there's too much going on. Like, this is, you know, too much happening. There's obviously a killer still out there. Like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. And, then, and Jack Saxon's like, no, just, you know, okay, I'll send you to like this villa in the middle of nowhere and I'll tell everybody you left. Yeah. Because he needed him to do something in a few days, some kind of press thing, whatever, whatever it is. Um, and he's like, oh, okay, fine. Well, I'll decide later, but I'll go home now. And then after he leaves, um, somebody comes out like from the closet and is essentially Peter's ex-wife is yeah. Jane who like up until this point had kind of been alluding that she was like being around like somebody messed with his luggage and like messed up all the stuff in his luggage and it was like suspected that it was this Jane person. Yeah. But we had not met mad, her. Very yeah. mad at him. At right. Right. Yeah. They're like ex-wife. They don't get along, whatever. Um, so it was like, you know, suspected that, you know, Jane was was there. But now we know that she is actually in Rome. Um, and then we find out that she is like with John Saxon. I mean, who wouldn't be? Well, yeah. I mean, but yeah, they're like an <laughs> item. And, and yeah, know. you know, he doesn't want to <laughs> tell Peter about it. Um, so he's trying to keep it secret. So that's why she was hiding in the closet, whatever. Right. Um, and then, yeah, and then right around this point is where, you know, John Saxon is waiting for her in the park or in this, like, square, whatever. In broad daylight. In broad daylight, yeah. And then, like, yeah, this we get, like, the POV kind of of the killer who runs up and, like, stabs him a yep. bunch of times. Yep. Um, then he dies, and then it goes. Um, and then at this point, I'm trying to think, oh, yeah, they find out that Jane is actually in Rome because I believe she calls Anne the secretary. Yes. Um, and she calls Anne the secretary saying that she needs help, you know, what's going on. Um, so she decides that Anne is going to go over there uh, and, and check on him or check yeah. on her. Sorry. Um, so she goes over um, to check on her. Um, I guess the police also found out that Jane is in town and they suspect her of being the killer because, you know, she's trying to get back at Peter. Right. So the police are also on their way there. Um, so basically um, the killer is lurking in this apartment <laughs> um, and Jane, th this is like probably one of the best scenes of the movie. I would say is like, Jane is like sitting there waiting in her apartment. Uh, and yeah. then somebody comes down and chops her arm off. Yes. On, the, on this table and she like gets up and it just sprays this arc of blood <laughs> all over the wall behind her but it's yeah. it's it's done really well like it, it's like oh, an yes. ar artistic move almost yeah um so anyway and then she like you know basically gets stabbed to death in the kitchen um and the killer lurks around in, in the apartment and then another woman comes in um and she gets an axe to the neck <laughs> yep um and then it's like uh they you know, the killer at that point, you know, rolls the body over and realizes it's a, it's the cop lady. Yeah. Uh, because I'm, I'm assuming they thought it was Anne who was the secretary going to, to get Jane, but it actually turns out to be the cop lady 
who was the, the sorry, the, the, the two cops, there was a guy and a girl, they were partners, the detectives, whatever. So it was the lady cop that had come in by herself, apparently. Um, and right. she got it. She got an ax to the neck. Um, and then at that point, um, the other dude cop comes in and then Anne comes in behind him, you know, screaming because there's, you know, blood and, and guts and everything. But anyway, she's screaming because she sees who the killer is. And it's actually Peter. Dun, dun, dun. Right. So in a bizarre twist, I mean, usually you don't get this twisty with like these kind of Ooh. movies. Um, so obviously he couldn't have done the first kill because he was on a plane when it happened. Yep. Um, so what it is, is the first three kills or uh, yeah, the first three kills are by that creepy um, TV guy. Yeah. TV guy who is asking him the weird perversion questions. Yep. Um. And so he killed that guy instead of telling the police what was happening because they basically found enough evidence to convict him. Yeah. Um, he kills him and then starts killing off people that are threatening him. So he kind of like has his own mental break when he kills him and then and becomes the killer himself. Because we find out that he was like humiliated as a kid and went through ment- mentally tormented and so, like, he, I think he killed her. Yeah, he and did. It, it was never caught. There was not no. There's no trial or anything like that. And then, like, seeing these murders based off his work, like, re- like snapped his memory back to that murderous rampage. Right. Uh, yeah. And then put him back in the mind of a murderer. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, as yeah, essentially the end. Or right, except the weird fantasy thing that he had. I don't know. Again, I don't know if this is real or not because this is like his killer mind. Um, it was like this, like attractive woman, um, yeah. goes into the like on the beach with like four men, okay, and she's obviously like attempting to like seduce all of these men at the same time, um, and essentially picks three of the men to like seduce, and then the one man she says no to, like literally gives a thumbs down to. Yes. Um, and then he gets upset and then he comes back to try to like, you know, I guess take take her by force, I'm guessing. I don't know. He came up and slapped Something like her. that. Yeah. Um, and of course the three other guys were not happy about that, so they beat the crap out of him. Right. Um, and I'm assuming then they probably went off to have their, you know, love party or orgy, yeah. whatever they're doing. Uh, but then later on when he was following stalking the woman uh, until she be you know, was alone at some point and then he crept out and stabbed her to death yes but this was all pov stuff we had no idea who this was or why these scenes were being shown but right well then we have well it's not the end of the movie then we have another twist come the the cop when when his secretary and the cop surround him he cuts his own throat (laughs) oh yeah that's right yeah i'm sorry yeah so he cuts he cuts his own throat and they're like oh he's dead and so they all leave him there on the ground alone Of course. Yep. So they're going outside, like trying to call backup or whatever. And then when they go back in, he's gone. Yeah. Um, and there's like, you know, basically he picks up the straight razor and he finds a button on the handle. He pushes the button and like blood squirts, squirts out, blood. out of yeah. the blade. So yeah. When the, and the blade is dull. So they find out that, yeah, he faked like his own death to get away from them. Yeah. And then the, the cop gets murdered and his secretary comes back and like, He's fighting with the cop and like this weird ass metal sculptor blocks the door. Yeah. And he's like sitting there crouched with the axe waiting for Anne to come in. And as she bursts open the door, he gets just 
pinned by that metal. Like somehow that two foot falls enough to like pin him to the wall. It's like a big spike in the gut and into the wall. And then his secretary just screams. <laughs> the movie yeah, she does that a lot. Yes. Yes, she does. End of movie. Yeah. End of movie. <laughs> uh, so what are your first thoughts on this? Uh, again, I liked it a lot. I mean, it gets, cause it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's like, it's like a murder mystery kind of thing, right? It's like a whodunit. Right. Um, and you're trying to figure it out and it keeps taking turns. And, you, and obviously at the end, you realize why, because things are changing behind the scenes while the, you know, things are progressing. So it's, it's kind of impossible for you to pick what's happening. Correct. I've, I've, again, everybody, you're always assuming there's going to be one killer that's doing all this, right? Cause they're all similar kills. Right, um, but yeah, yeah, the twist. Multiple yeah, killers. Yeah, is that there's more than one, which is interesting. I don't think I, I don't know if that's been done before in a horror movie. Um, uh, well, in horror, probably not. But I mean, before this, we had all the noir movies, and noir movies yeah. always had all kinds of right. twists and turns and stuff. So yeah, um, I mean, those are are you know, I'm sure those plot lines are done. But yeah, this is brought into that as but i guess it's it's part of the whole film genre like that giallo yeah film genre which is like an italian film genre which is it's kind of like a you know murder mystery whodunit but it it has very close ties with horror um to where they're yeah. often the same thing right yeah i mean and, and i see then you know we have the line from this movie that we use for the title of this episode eliminate the impossible because he got that, you know, was I think you know it better than I do, right? Uh, well, yeah, it's yeah, it's from um, the Hound of the Baskervilles, Baker. which is yeah. a, the one of the Sherlock Holmes album, and yeah, the actual yeah. the line is um, eliminate the impossible, and then whatever is left, however improbable, must be the truth, right? Uh, yeah, meaning you just have to kind of you know knock out everything that is impossible that can't be real, and then whatever is left is what is the truth, right? Right, and so yeah, I mean that being said, that it was impossible for him to be the first killer. Correct, because he physically was not there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, how do you th- you know how do you think this holds up? As your first thought, and you know, we watched these in a row in in comparison to say Suspiria. Different uh, type it, of movie, obviously. Yeah, it's a different if it's a, a different type of movie. I mean, obviously the um, you know, that kind of like you know supernatural undertone isn't there right. um and this one it's just more of like a pure you know kind of slasher like mm-hmm. you know human slasher yeah human you know killer on the on the loose obviously you know unhinged in some way <laughs> because they're like you know staging murders and taking pictures and, and staging it after a book so i mean obviously it's some kind of like serial killer type person uh but again it's not supernatural so whereas suspiria is very heavily you know supernatural Yes. Uh, but I would say other than that, I mean, it's, you know, very similar filmmaking. You can obviously tell that Argento made this um, because it's very similar atmospherically to Suspiria. Oh, absolutely. That's just not as many. I mean, I would say the use of color is not as heavy in this, but it's also it doesn't have to be. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, again, it's it's just it's a fantastic movie. I liked it a lot. I probably liked it better than Suspiria, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It is a more of a whodunit with a couple of twists that you never expect, and it's something we were discussing too. Was was this the first type of movie 
that had this plot line of someone killing people based off of someone else's work. We'd have to do research on that. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of one, but again, no. I haven't, I haven't seen everything. So, I mean, obviously, there, there might be something. I'm sure there's something before this, <laughs> right? That was, but we that have was similar, but but we have seen this after it. We know that. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm this, just wondering. I'm just wondering if this was the tentpole for that, or was done the best. We something we definitely need to look into. Because I'm interested because I like that stuff. You know, that's always that's that goes into the ties of you know how. You know, the you know, nature of human perversion is how graphic can books get like Stephen King, you know, or Clive Barker, stuff like that, and then have someone copycat essentially that stuff. I and mean, it's especially in the 80s in America, obviously, at that point in horror movies where people are like, okay, this is you're gonna get people, give people ideas, right? That was always a major concern of these movies, of horror movies, is like you're giving serial killers ideas. Yeah, I mean, they don't need ideas. No. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter if they have ideas. I mean, if people are going to kill people, they're going to kill people. I mean, it doesn't matter if they have flair about it or not. They're still bad. Right. And I think I, I think that was kind of the the message in, in this movie, I would say, is that it doesn't matter. They just happen to be killing off of this guy's book. Right. And like I said, we, I'd say the mid-80s, 90s that we saw people really concerned about that and we just we know it's not the case <laughs> correct so, so I'd say once again that they were talking about this stuff that we weren't really thinking about in America you know what I mean like Stephen King was known but I don't think Stephen King was accused of stuff of, of that idea at that point in time you know what I mean yeah no I gotcha so um. Yeah. I mean, my first thoughts. Yeah, it was definitely different than Suspiria, which is good. You don't want every every movie to be exactly the same, and it was a good take on the human slasher. And with a couple of twists thrown into there, I I thought it was really good for that. You know, you know, obviously, you know, we have the first. You know, Friday the Thirteenth is already out at this point in time. I probably had, we had number three out by this point in time as well. But the human killer was a thing. You know, we don't really get the supernatural killer really, and especially the PV until, you know, 1978 Halloween um, as a slasher. Let me clarify that we have supernatural stuff, obviously in other movies before that. Um, but no, I think this is a great take on it and just, you know, a well-crafted thought and everything once again was very, felt very purposeful and how everything was done. Like you said, with the blood splatter from the arm when her arm got chopped off. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It's just like, yeah, everything is very, um, artistic. Everything yes. is, has a very artistic bend on it. Even somebody getting their arm chopped off and then spraying blood on a wall is like done in a very art way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about highlights for you? Um, highlights for this movie. Uh, number one is the music. Yes. Uh, the music on this is is fantastic. I actually looked up like who it was. Like the the, the title one is done by a band called Goblin, yeah. Um, who apparently had broken up before the movie came out, and Argento convinced them to get back together to film this song for his movie. Now, didn't they also do the music in Suspiria? 
Um, I, they've done I saw uh, they've that. done several other films of his that so yes. they're like common collaborators. But um, yeah, and, and it was it's just fantastic. And I, the interesting thing was is like when the movie is first opening up, I'm like, I know I've never seen this movie before, but I heard the song before. Yes, I'm like, oh, where did I hear this from? And it took me a while to figure it out. But um, uh, the band Justice, if you've ever heard of them, um, they're like a French uh, electronic y Group. Yeah, um, they remixed the song, and it's it's not very remixed. Like you can tell, it's obviously that song. Um, yeah. Obviously, they they remixed it in a more modern way, put a more modern beat on it. But that was that's what it was. I had listened to that album a lot of times, and and that that song, I was like, oh man, I know this from somewhere, but I had to look it up. But yeah, no, it's fantastic. The the the, yeah. uh, the music from them in this movie is great, and there's a lot of scenes of them. Um, playing music like you like you said a little bit earlier with the um yeah the same <laughs> the, song yeah yeah the one roommate was playing it super loud and there's like a long scene of like you know 10 minutes of yeah, like from- looking or all around like well the whole song plays in its entirety yes um, they they do tend to play all the songs in all their entire right right movies. right um and it's but it, again it sounds great it's it's fantastic i thought it was i thought it was awesome yeah, and they're definitely prog rock, very synth, you know, synth heavy yes. stuff, which I know you like. Yes, I do. And it reminded me of like when they redid the Friday the Thirteenth soundtrack for like what number four that did like the the prog rock version of it. Um, it reminded me a lot like that. But yeah, they they did a lot of collaboration. I just looked up a lot of collaborations. They even did the soundtrack for. Romero's Dawn of the Dead in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So yeah, they were definitely the people to uh that. <laughs> um yeah. Any other highlights? Uh no, I mean obviously the the whole movie in general. I, I yeah. liked a lot, but I'd say specifically I really liked the music. Yeah. Um yeah, highlights definitely, you know, I think they did POV really, really well for it. Yeah, there was very artistic stuff, like I said, going around the whole building. But yeah, the music and even the acting was better than Suspiria. Yeah. I would say. No, that's fair. Especially John Saxon, of course. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like I said, who who doesn't fight in this movie? He's not a cop. He's not a strong guy. He literally gets like just stabbed. Like he's just like a like a a book agent, and then just gets stabbed and dies. I mean, it it's a very odd John Saxon role. They underutilized John Saxon. Let's go. That's correct. What about low points for you? Uh, Low points in this movie, I got to call out um, the one lady who is like you know his friend with the you know whole like how you know you're sexist with your book. Yeah, she was a terrible actress. I don't, I don't know what it is, but she was so annoying. Everybody else in the movie was ten times better than she was. I don't, just, I don't know. Just the way that she presented, the way that she acted, it was very bad, and I did not like it at all. Yeah. Uh, the low point for me is Super Dog. <laughs> no, you don't think you don't think dog can jump a fence like that. I mean, you you do see dogs climb chain link fences. That is a thing, and this dog clearly did it. But I mean, that was an insane amount of chasing that for that dog to do continuously, and a lot of fences like not to give up, and then eventually gives up when she gets them out. 
works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. As soon as she like, you know, that he's not needed for the plot device anymore, he's gone. But oh, wholeheartedly plot device dog. Yeah. I, I just didn't like that. The plot device dog. That's fair. All right. So how many eye gouges out of 10 are you giving this movie? Uh, I will give this movie nine eye gouges out of 10. Nine? Yes. Nice. I liked it just a teeny bit more than Suspiria. Yeah. Um, I like it more than Suspiria. No, I I think I liked them just equally, just for different reasons. So I'm going to 8.5 as well. It's just a different type of movie. Um, I guess I, I, yeah, I think, do you think it'd been better? What made it a perfect 10? Just the that woman not being there or the fact that you weren't able to see all these twists, like they were never led up to these things. Uh, that's okay. I mean, it's not a movie that is forcing you to try to, you know, think about who the killer is. Yeah. And that doesn't like insult you at the end by like, ha how could you not know that? You know, some movies do that stuff and it annoys yeah. me. Um, but no, it doesn't do anything like that. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's probably just because it's a little dated. Um, if it was, you know, more a little more modernized, <laughs> I guess um, I might give it a, a higher note. I mean, but it's fantastic. It's a, it's a great movie. It's just not perfect. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So yes, so we're going to go and then into demon. Demon, demone, demone, demone. Yeah. Um. And we're honestly with demons one and two would probably be a lot briefer in the recaps just because there's not a lot. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. But these movies, to be fair, don't have a whole lot of plot happening. Dude. It's just kind of like a, a vehicle to show you interesting things, and then that's it. Yes. Yes. So, um. Yeah, so these were not directed by Argento, but he helped write the screenplay and he produced them. So that's where we included them. And these are kind of big name still stuff in his the Argento category so earlier. Um, and these are the first ones to really be all English, I'd say, right? Even though they're still shot in Italy. Um, most of them are most of most of the people. More people are speaking English natively in these. Yes. Let's go with yeah. Let's go with that. So, um, kind of like in the same Berlin area, Germany, Italian area that we meet uh, Cheryl, um, and she's meeting up with. Uh, well, I guess she's you know she's by herself on a, on a subway, and like a guy with like a half metal fear mask, I'd call it. Kind of just stares. He's at like so he's like I call him Mister Cyberpunk. <laughs> Mr. Cyberpunk, like half Doctor Doom. I mean, because he's seriously like he looks like he, he was like living the cyberpunk lifestyle. Yes. Um. So yeah, she's he just kind of like follows her around a little bit and not saying anything, and he's like hands her a ticket to like a movie theater. Oh, okay. She's like, oh, this seems cool. Can I have one for my friend? And she gets another one for Metro Pool. Metropole, however you want metropole. to say that. Metropole. Metropole. I don't know. I have uh, no idea. It's metropole yeah. is how it's spelled, but I don't know. Yeah. Without so, the e, so metropole. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, she talks about her friends. You know, like, hey, do you want to go to this? You, you know, it's free tickets. We can go see movies. As long as it's not a horror movie. I don't like horror movies. Wah, wah. <laughs> right. Um, and then, yeah, so they go. It's like, what, freshly re- renovated theater, I would say. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like basically one of those, like, uh, it's like an old school, like, you know, art deco theater, but it's like, you know, remodeled to be modern. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we get into, you know, the, the entry and we get to meet what I'd call our cast of characters. Um, you know, they meet up with two college boys, I guess. George and George's friend, I'll call him. I don't remember his name. Yeah, I don't know. Two guys. Um, yeah, and we meet a blind a, you know, a blind guy with his daughter who helps kind of be his, his guide. Who I um, swear was Henry is, Dean Stanton. Really? It, it looks just like him. It's not him. <laughs> but oh. it looks, I think it's with his glasses on, he looks just like Henry Dean Stanton. I, I look back to see if it was the same blind guy from Suspiria. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was different. It was, it was an older dude. But he, like I said, he yeah. looks like Henry Dean Stanton with, with blue blockers on. There you go. Yeah. Ginormous glasses. Right. Um, a married couple, I guess a boyfriend, girlfriend. And then we meet one a pimp with like the greatest sideburns into goatee, like a beard, bald, but with, like thick sideburns. And I guess what he's a pimp with his two two worker ladies. Um, well, I mean, don't put a label on him, man. You don't know what he is. <laughs> yeah, he, um, he is a uh, a guy that is going on a date with two women to a movie theater. There you go. But he treats um, he treats them as if they are his property and yes. not his friends. How about yes. that? There you go. Um, and you know they have a motorcycle in the lobby, and they have a like a weird mask. Yeah, it's like a well, it's like an oni mask. Yeah, but metal and a samurai sword, right? <laughs> yeah, and samurai sword and a motorcycle or dirt bike. I don't. We, we I'll question the motorcycle here on the <laughs> movie. <laughs> um, and uh, Goretta, Goretta, uh, she plays one of the. <laughs> lady friends and she what she's like touches her face to it puts it on and she gets like a scratch on her face correct that just just doesn't seem to like stop bleeding but not bleeding bleeding it's just like a weird scratch at this point in time yeah it's just like a little dick yeah yeah um and then we go into the movie theater and like George is, you know, George is next to Cheryl, and he's, they don't know each other. He's like, if you get scared, you can you can hold my hand or put your arms around me or whatever, right? Um, and they start showing, then they start playing the movie inside the movie. Um, and the movie is about uh, a group of people that are discovering, like, two old tombs in a graveyard. Like, this is, you know, about Nostradamus, right? And, like, oh, they find Nostradamus's grave somehow. It starts in, in, in English letters, spells out Nostradamus, yeah. which it would not. 16th century Italy. Uh, yeah, have English on there. Correct. But, <laughs> um, and, you know, people are very upset by this movie. It seems to be like very violent, but like people start making 
out during this movie. People are getting felt up while watching this movie. And, you know, the theater's what, maybe 20 people in there? And then, like, on the balcony is the is the blind man and his daughter. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I would say that, you know, they find... Um, in the, in the movie, so people like I said watching this, people are getting a little upset, and their friends like I I knew this was a horror movie. I don't like it. Um, and they dig up, they open up like Nostradamus's grave, and they find a book and a mask, which is identical to the mask that was in the lobby. The yeah, only it looks older in the movie, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and they talk about like, and some person in the movie gets a scratch. Like this isn't healing, just like. Just like yours isn't, you know. Greta Greta's character is like, huh, that's weird. Um, and then what? The guy that gets scratched eventually turns into a demon and then kills his friends, right? In the movie, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then she goes, "Oh, I should check my cheek." And then yeah, her and cheek she is goes, now it's now bigger and bleeding. Yeah, she yeah. Greta Greta's character goes into the into the bathroom, which. And those have to be European toilets because those toilets do not look comfortable to sit on. <laughs> and I wasn't looking at the toilets. <laughs> well, they had like no no seats. It's just a big bowl with nothing there. Um, and so like she's looking at her cheek, and then we start to see the first use of bladder effects in one of these movies for Argento, right? Like her cheek kind of like pusses up and like bladder effects and just starts bleeding out like goo and oh, yeah. then her uh, yeah first it yeah first it explodes like a big zit yeah and then it just starts spewing like green goo out right and then she starts transforming like her nails grow out out of her fingernails you see her teeth getting pushed out with like fangs instead and she turns essentially into one of the demons that we saw in the movie that they're watching um now the other lady friend of the gentleman um is like, oh, she's been gone a while. I need to go check on her. He's like, Don't you disappear too? <laughs> and she well, she finds her in the bathroom and then um like gets a she gets slashed on the neck and face. Yeah. She has like these razor sharp fingernails, claws essentially. And then she starts getting chased by her through the theater and somehow she ends up behind the, the the screen and she's like pounding on it and people are like starting to notice like hey there's someone behind there and then she eventually bursts through the screen and then changes into a demon right in front of him and starts attacking people right yeah yeah and then yeah and then at this point it's just kind of like chaos chaos yeah there's like the blind guy. I don't understand why a blind guy would go to a movie. <laughs> but anyway, right. so the blind guy goes to a movie. But not only is he just, you know, if he's there for the experience, whatever, that's fine. But no, he goes there and he's like asking his daughter to like describe to him what's happening. Yeah. Which is odd. And then, But then she like some random dude comes and sits next to her. And then all of a sudden the next scene, she's like making out with this dude. And like he looks. He looks like the landlord from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah, he looks. Yeah, he looks like a scumbag. Um, yeah, and then and then Greg's character like 
starts strangling them with a rope while they're making out. Right. And then, like, for some reason, they're, like, their faces are stuck together. Yes. And they they're, still making they're out. bleeding out of their mouths. I don't understand yes. what was happening there. But, yeah. Yes, that happened. Um, and then they kind of get hung and then thrown over, I'd say, the balcony down below. Well, yeah. And from, from this point, the movie just basically becomes a showcase for demon kills. kills. Yes. For, like, absolutely. probably at least the next 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. Um, but you know, they tried to, the people start panicking as you probably would and try to go out and they rip the doors off and they realize it's been cinder blocked in right while they're watching the movie. Right. Correct. So they, like they tore down the door frames and it's just a brick wall. So then they're trying to figure out, okay, how the hell do we get out of here? Um, so they, then they can't do it. So they go back into they go into the balcony because, like, okay, nothing can nothing can get to us in the balcony if we barricade it. Like, and I don't know his name, but the gentleman starts. All right, just rip up the chairs and put them in front of the doors. Like, they couldn't do like this is how you do it. And so it's like ripping up rows of chairs yes. to blockade poorly. I, I I would say <laughs> right, yeah. And then he's like, oh, we got to make sure we watch the. The balcony we got to cut this rope and then as he says that he like, gets attacked yeah, yeah the guy comes up and he gets attacked <laughs> yeah it's, it's yeah it's it's goofy like i said there's just attacks 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 yeah and then like they they haphazardly just slap the wall next to them in the balcony with like whatever they can find like some of them are hitting them hard with fire extinguishers. other ones are just slapping them with like pizza trays <laughs> right <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's not doing anything. Like, they found that, oh, there's this other room here. And they, you know, like six people go off into the other room. And then, you know, while demons are trying to get in there. And then while that's happening, <laughs> then we get introduced to some, let's call them punks. Well, in the 80s, this is, this is what punks were. I know. Okay, this is this is second wave punk. This is not first wave punk. This is second wave punk. This is this is like reality accurate. <laughs> yeah, and they're just driving around, snorting cocaine out of a coke can. They what was really, the, what was the what was the driver's name? Oh, I don't remember. Ripper. <laughs> Ripper. Yes, His name was Ripper. Ripper. Yeah. So they're doing coke out of a coke can. Of which course. is just funny. And then we you know, talk just driving, driving, driving. Like they sold this car. They're just joining around. Like this car's a piece of crap. They're trying to find another one. Then you get the scene where, you know, the only lady punk in there spills Coke all over herself and then just cleaning it up. And then the guy next to her starts doing the Coke off of her chest with a razor blade, scraping mm-hmm. it up. And she's really enjoying it. And then he cuts her. Cuts her boob with it, and then she's like, "Okay, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> like, stop." Um, and then they find another car that they're gonna hotwire, and then like the cops show up, mm-hmm. and they start getting chased by the cops. And they end up like by the theater, and the door, like, oh, they're trying to pound the door, and they can't open it. The door magically opens. You see something scamper out, and as they go in, um, and then you see it. It was the blind guy that scampers out and then attacks. He's now a demon. 
uh, kills the cops and they become demons. Um, oh, and while, while the other people are escaping, you know, people are getting transformed into demons. Um, you know, the six, let's call them now down the four main characters. No, there's six, right? At this point, they run the Greta Greta and they had blockade her off. They just, just manhandled a vending machine <laughs> to put and block her into this room. Right. Um, and then, like I said, they're just trying to find ways to escape. And, you know, then they're just crawling around their barricade a lot while other people are getting killed by demons and transforming all around them. Um, you know, the punks come in, they unblockade that vending machine, they go in there, then we get the weird lipstick scene, and then she, that punk girl, gets killed by Greta Greta's character and transformed. Well, they all do pretty quick. I mean, I, th- yeah. I think they all they, they all get sped dispatched right. pretty quickly. I think they're just there to be cool looking demons. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's just weird that they have like this long intro scene. Yeah. Not even in the theater. I mean, it's pretty long. I mean, it's like a good like ten minute scene. Yeah. Um. And yeah. And then all of a sudden they're in there, and then they like the, they last less than their intro scene amount of time in the theater. Yes, they are dispatched just the yeah. quickest of stuff. And then they're just um, cool-looking demons after that, and that's it. That's fair. Um, and then one of the couple, the boyfriend and girlfriend there with the four, the, the two college girls, two college guys, and the couple, they get attacked, and then what, the, the woman gets a demon born out of her back? Yep. <laughs> which was interesting. And it, was then a that, cool, it was a cool-looking effect. And then, but that birth demon con just disappears yeah. <laughs> the rest of the movie. Yeah, it jumps out and goes, Rawr, and then just poof. <laughs> right. So then it's just the four of them that are left, and then eventually, while they're crawling around, her friend gets attacked, changed, and the other guy realizes, he's like, oh, I was also attacked. I'm the chain. You have to kill me. So he, he grabs the samurai sword like you gotta do this. You gotta do this. Kill me before I change. I don't want. Don't look at me like when I'm like this. Blah blah blah. Right. Um. He's like, I don't want his friend George. Doesn't want to do it. Doesn't want to do it. And then he changes and it cuts off his head. And then essentially they go around and uh start driving the motorcycle over the chairs through the stands and they're just on it and he just has swords and he's just going around the, like slicing every demon as he goes right well around. like okay he goes around the theater like 10 like times 10 times yeah i mean he just keeps driving around and keeps slashing demons but he keeps slashing the same ones so it's like obviously this sword is not doing much <laughs> like, right why do you continue to do this i mean i guess he's trying to go out with a blaze of glory or whatever but anyway so he's going yeah. around eventually the the, the the chick falls off the back <laughs> Yeah, that he keeps going, and then eventually he falls off too, and, and then, then he goes super samurai. Yeah, and then and then all of a sudden a helicopter falls through the roof. I, like I had to rewatch that a couple times because yes, I was distracted while watching this from from the kids, but like I went back and like, all right, am I missing something? Like <laughs> where this like like there's something on the roof, and then the helicopter just comes and crashes down. And then they get in the helicopter like it's made of like aluminum foil. Yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah, just rip it apart. Yeah, the well, yeah, the 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 roof was also made out of like paper mache because it just right. fell through it. Yeah, um, but yeah, though, yeah, this helicopter pretty much comes out of nowhere. 
um, right. and then crashes through the roof. And then, yeah, they go in it like they're going to hide in it. And then it very quickly, you know, becomes known like, oh, they can't hide in there. Like they're coming right through. So then yeah. he uses like the winch. He has a, there's a grappling hook that he tackles the winch to. <laughs> right. And then grapples out through the hole and then uses the winch to harness himself and get out of the hole that the helicopter created because they can't get out any other way. And I'm trying to figure out the physics between that winch and how him using the winch would have drawn him up. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Again, I don't know. I I don't, they confused. didn't even know either because that looked weird looking. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. No. Yeah. And then they get, to the, they get to the top, and then the the cyberpunk guy is there, and they're like trying to kill him, and then like spend five minutes trying to pry his head down with a pipe into the rebar, like. It takes a long time. Like, move your head. <laughs> and he gets eventually impaled. Um, and then they somehow get down. They, no, they, there's a ladder. They climb down. Then they find out that like demons are infecting the entire city. Right. And so they're being chased by demons. And then like a jeep of like the dad looks like sixty. His daughter looks like. 14 and the son's like six. The daughter was like 18. <laughs> but yeah, like, oh, we have enough guns for everybody. And they start driving like, we're driving out west. Right? Yep. Um, and then the best part happens where they're all driving off into the sunset and then all of a sudden <laughs> The the girl changes into a demon, and the yep. dude just and they just shoot her. Yes, <laughs> and then they just keep going. Yep. So George is the last one alive. Not right. even the person we are following. They drive out into the unknown. Yep. End of movie. End of movie. <laughs> uh, first thoughts on this for me is I know I have these on laserdisc. Yeah, I'm like I had to get these because we saw them. I had to get them at this point. I had seen bits and pieces of this movie and for me this is very reminiscent of like the demon changes were very deadite-ish from Evil Dead Um, but I also saw influence from of this movie in Night of the Demons what those demons look like what came from this demons movie I feel it's fair yeah um but overall, I'm mean, like, yeah, it was it was just essentially just a showcase of effects. As we discussed many times before in A's movies, the plot is so thin that's just from kill to kill. Well, like I said, this this movie, uh, like I said, that that was basically what I was thinking about it while I watched the movie. Is there was not really a plot. No, it was like okay, there's a reason for all these people to end up in a theater. But then it was just like, watch what happens to these people in a the theater. There was no like plot, like how they can like, you know, get rid of the demon plague or how they can like save the world or, or even save yeah. themselves. It was like nothing. It was just a big brawl <laughs> with the demons. And then like, you know, one person survives and that was it. Correct. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely that. That's my thought. Thoughts. Your first thought too is just the same thing, I assume, right? Yeah, right. Kill to kill, just from kill to kill, and that's pretty much it. Correct. Any other thoughts? When you, you know, do you see any 
influences of like Evil Dead or see those these demon looks being elsewhere? Um, not that I can tell. Not that I can remember. Okay. Uh, why don't you go? Why don't you start off with the highlights then? Uh, my highlights for this movie is uh, well, the music again is yes. is great. Well, this time they actually like get like kind of well known artists in here. Um, I mean, you yeah. get like like Billy Idols in here. I mean, there's all there's all kinds of like actually like contemporary music of this time period in there. Um, and yeah. I'll also say the style is pretty cool. I mean, the style that they have in this movie um, is like the cyberpunk dude looks cool. The punks look cool. Um, there's I mean, there's obviously some bad style, but it was like that was the style of that time. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I think they looked cool. I, again, I like the, the style. I like the, the slickness of it. And I like and I like the music. I thought it was great. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, highlights for me, this may have been, um, I'd say the first, first example I can think of, of, you know, we, he, we watched documentaries that came out a couple of years ago, but people going, you know, Hey, this is, this movie causes evil in people. Well, you know, is this possible? The first one of that? Could this been like, yeah, you know, cause they're obviously watching the movie that causes them to become demons. So there's some supernatural thing somehow, right? Or like the mask guy invited all these people to bring demons into the real world. You know, there's not a lot of lore background in this. Right. Well, it's, I mean, this came out in 86. So, I mean, by that point in time, I'm sure there was another movie that had that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that highlights definitely music. Music was fantastic. And when they played the song, they played the entire song. <laughs> Yeah, correct. Instead of just like a quick thirty minute or thirty second or minute sampler, yeah, music was great, effects were great, story was lacking. But what about low points for you? Uh, low points would be uh, the theater craftsmanship. That yeah. theater was built. I mean, terribly. Like people were like just like punching through like the wooden chairs. I mean. Like one kick could knock over like a whole roll of of theater chairs. I mean, like there's no way people could even sit in those things. Um, yeah. I mean, they were like able to like basically chip through a, like a porcelain wall. Yep. With like their bare hands, more or less. I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of of craftsmanship mistakes. Yeah. Like just how easily they tore up the chairs. Right. I completely yeah, agree. Like, I don't know who. Who the set people were on this movie, but they were bad. Yeah, it's plaster for the you know paper mache for the walls, aluminum foil for the helicopter. <laughs> like he tore that door off that helicopter with the greatest of ease. Yeah. So yeah, I mean definitely those those are great little points. Um. Yeah, I mean I, and here's and here's a little point for me. You're not gonna hear this very often. Is lore was not deep. to your point right that you don't get reasoning behind it you don't get you know how to even do anything with the demons yeah you don't, you don't even get a, like a, a cursory explanation as to what's happening right like you wouldn't even know these were demons unless the title of the movie told you what they were <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah and no I'll go back to one highlight is the demon popping out of her body was done really well Yes, it was. That was fantastic. 
that that of of all the of all the kills that one's probably the best one i think um so uh so number of eye gouges out of 10 you know we've i've we'll go into nine of the demons at some point in time on on this podcast but you know you can see ryan wise i felt you, know, you could tell it was Argento, but atmospheric, it wasn't him. You know right. what I mean? Like, I think it would, I think it could have done better with him behind the camera and directing it and doing the set, you know, having that, building the atmosphere. Um, and really for that, that's why I'm, I'm bringing this down to probably like a 7.5. What about you? Um, I mean that's that's tough. I mean like I really I want to give it less than a 7, but like it's a kind of movie that I I would probably rewatch at some point. Um, right, and that's that's I, why I gave the number I did. So I'm right, going to rewatch it. But I it. feel like I, I feel like it deserves a number lower than that. <laughs> but um I'm trying to okay, I'll uh, all right, I'll give it a 6. A 6 I gouges out of 10. 6? That's fair. So like if I have a drink, I'll rewatch it. There you go. That's fair. That? Yep, I, I'm definitely making the wife watch these. I think she'll <laughs> enjoy because she love. Let's face it; these are cheese. This yeah, one is a cheese no, movie. I, you know, you know, I love cheese movies. Yes, I know. <laughs> so, all right, why don't you bring us home with then uh, demons two? Demons two. Uh, demons two uh, basically starts off. It's it's. Instead of a theater, it's a high rise, like a, yep. a high rise apartment building. Um, so there's a whole bunch of different um, people that are like you know in their different apartments. Um, the main one that I guess we'll focus on first is the birthday party, which is yeah. Sally is having a birthday party, and she has a whole bunch of you know party eighties folks over. Um, to celebrate her birthday party with the loud music and all that kind of stuff, right? The 80s is hard in this movie. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it's like Sally is the only real person we're introduced to there, and then, like, all of her friends, which there's significant number of them. I'd call them yuppies. Right. Okay, and then we have um, the, the apartment with the, uh, yeah, the yuppie dude with the pregnant wife. Which I couldn't, I, honestly, I couldn't tell if she was pregnant when I first saw her. Well, I whatever. Can't. Yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> the character is pregnant. Yes. Um, then there's the little kid that's home alone. Um, there's the gym. Yeah, um, that's apparently there <laughs> with like uh, the the guy who plays the um, the gentleman in the first movie is now the gym trainer in this movie. Yes. Um, Ripper from the first movie is the security guard in this movie. Yeah. Um, there is a couple other like minor characters that I can tell they're, they're, they're playing different characters, but they're the same actors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, who else? I guess, I guess none of the other people really matter. Right. Correct. Anyway, <laughs> really, really <laughs> anyway, anyway, so what happens is, is, uh, Sally is like not having a good time at her birthday party. Right. Um, so she kind of goes and locks herself in the other room like she's upset. Um, well, somebody, one guy you're invited, what, Jason? Well, no, the, this guy, like, okay, the party is going on, right? The phone won't stop ringing. 
So the yes. one dude that's sitting next to the phone is like, hey, is anybody going to answer this phone? Nobody's answering it. So he picks it up, and it's some guy basically asking if he can come to the party. He's like, yeah, sure, come to the party. Yes. You know? And so he hangs up, and she's like, oh, who is that? He's like, oh, it was Jacob. Oh, Jacob, Jacob yeah. what'd you tell him? Oh, I told him to come to the party. You're like, why would you do that? You know, she like cried and like ran in the room and like locked herself in. The dude's like, what? I was almost expecting the song, It's My Party. I yeah, if I yeah. want to. And then they're like, well, you better go downstairs and wait for him to come and then tell him not to come in. Uh, anyway, it, yes. was, it was it was stupid. But they, um, they got rid of the nerd. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like the nerd character. So oh, yeah. uh Sally is in the room, like all upset. Um, and she's watching this movie. Now, the movie is kind of sort of like the movie of the first one where it's like, you know, uh, people, um, you know, exploring the a town. But it's like, you know, in the I guess in, the, in an urban area. So there's like this like city that has a wall around it um, and they go outside of the wall um, and they're looking for demons. Right. They're looking for like demon memorabilia. Okay, like apparently demons had attacked outside a long time ago, and so they're going out to try to find demon stuff because it's worth a whole bunch of money. Right, um, and so the they, voiceovers, they're saying, you know, demon attack happened once. When will it happen again? Right. Yeah, so they find like a little demon claw on the ground, and they get all excited. Um, anyway, they get in the, like this alley, and they find like an actual demon that's like all like kind of like mummified, like trapped underneath a beam. Yes. Um, and of course, like... <laughs> Somebody like cuts their hand and then they're like trying to like move this beam while the person that cuts their hand is is bl- dripping blood into the demon's mouth. Yes. Um so the the demon like reanimates um and then essentially like, you know, where kills people, starts chasing them, that's not important. The important part is is that it like senses the camera and then starts coming through the television. Yes. Now, a, f- a few people are watching this, and we'll we'll discuss this a little bit later. Movie, documentary, whatever it was. Pretty much everyone in the high rise had this TV on to this show or movie in this at the same time. Right. But once the once the movie once the guy is coming out towards Sally, all their other TVs go blank. Correct. So. Yeah, the only one that matters is the one that's coming out, and it comes out, the, the demon, like, comes out into Sally's room. Um, Sally gets all upset, but essentially she gets scratched by this demon and becomes a demon herself. Right, because I think in this they find out that, like, they essentially, the reason why they want, they talk about the claw is because that's how they pass on the demonic traits. Right. Right, so one scratch from that, they'd pass it on. Right. Um, so yeah, so she becomes a demon. Um, yeah, they had decided to like have birthday cake without her. Like they basically like they light the candles and everything, and they're like, "Oh, where's Sally? Oh, she's in her room. Oh, we should go get her. Sally, come on out. It's your birthday party." You know. So anyway, yeah. so she comes out and of course attacks everybody. Basically, everybody becomes demons. Yep. Um, and then in the process of, of attacking and killing and becoming demons, they like they start bleeding profusely like through the floor and then their blood is like acid alien, and it's like it's eating it's alien blood yeah and it's like eating away at like the the, the roof rafters and and uh yes. and the floors and everything and it starts dripping through the different floors um and basically like people that it's dripping on on these other floors start becoming demons immediately yes um so like there's one guy and like it's funny because i mean you, you never see that in a gym anymore 
like the big huge like sauna the old that's school like a steam box. A one, yeah, a one person sauna that's like around his neck, you know? Yep. Um yeah, and it drips on him and he becomes a demon. Anyway, so at this point in time the movie just becomes again the showcase just like the theater did. And now it's just in a high rise. Yep. Um so demons are killing everybody. You know, the the gym gets attacked. Um the gym people um retreat to a parking garage to where they manage to like um barricade themselves in. Uh, and so they're okay at this point in time. Um and but they do realize they mean, can't you get mean- out. They pick up and move cars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they can't get they can't get out because the the garage won't open, um, and they can't crash through. They try crashing through as well. They can't get out, so they're trapped in there. But at least they're barricaded, and so the demons can't get to them. Um, right. But the demons are basically rampaging all through the apartment building. There's a lot of people getting killed that we don't know who they are. We don't care who they are. Um, there's a uh, Let's see, I'm trying to think. The, da- the dad of the pregnant lady, or no, the, the husband of the pregnant lady, gets yeah. trapped on an elevator with a hooker. Oh, he uses, yeah, he's definitely a hooker. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> but the hooker's like got like uh, claustrophobia or something and is like freaking out. And she doesn't like the dark. And, yeah, she doesn't like the dark. She had claustrophobia, whatever. So they, they keep trying to get out. They can't get out. Um, They eventually finally get out and then she becomes a demon. Um, yep. And so, yeah, like he has to like kind of go through the whole building trying to get back to his wife. Um, yes. The kid that was living alone, um, the f- part that I thought was funny was he answers the phone. He's like, oh, is your daddy home? No, my daddy's not home. Oh, is your mommy home? No, my mommy's not home. Nobody's home. I'm here by myself. Yes. <laughs> like This is like a PSA. Like, <laughs> this is like what right. not to say when someone calls you as a child home alone. Um, so anyway, so long story short, this kid gets attacked, becomes a demon. Yep. Um, and then he goes to pregnant lady's door crying, like saying, Oh, you know, I'm home alone. I'm really scared. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so she opens the door a little bit to figure out what's going on. The kid's demon, um, you know, eventually comes through. Um, she has like a kind of a, you know, room by room fight where she keeps closing the door and then he keeps working his way through the door. Um, she eventually folds him up in like one of those folding beds that goes up into the wall. Well, that wasn't the demon. That wasn't the kid. Oh, is that afterwards? That's the that's the puppet that comes out of him. Well, whatever. She so yeah. she fights the thing. <laughs> she eventually like yeah. traps it, and then it does the same thing where the demon did in the first movie, where it, like another demon came out of the kid's body. Yes, and then she was fighting that thing, and then she put it in the the fold up bed. Um, and then as she, she was like, you know, fighting and it was getting close to getting her, then the, the husband finally comes in. Um, yeah. and the, and they, they get out of that. So then, um, they're going around. Did they ever, yeah, they get to the gym, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they eventually get to the parking garage on the parking garage. They basically like weaponize themselves. They have like Molotovs and. Like one guy has a shotgun, but that's the only real weapon they have. But otherwise, they just have a bunch of like you know, sticks and pizza pans, <laughs> poles, pizza pans. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of random stuff. Um, so basically, there's like this big like standoff battle um between them and the demons. Yep. Um, to where basically everyone dies. Yes. And uh, the only ones that are still alive are the guy and his pregnant wife. 
Yep. Um, and so they're like, they go running up because they figure they can't get out at all. So they're running up the stairwell all the way up to the roof. Um, and as they're going up there, he figures out some way to like make the gas line explode or something. Yeah. Um, so he waits until all the demons are by this gas line thing. The gas line explodes and it kills almost all the demons. Um, and then they go up to the roof and then Sally, the original demon gets up and she's still okay, but the rest of them are gone. Yeah. Um, so she gets up to the roof and then there's like, they get to the top and they have to like rappel down to like a different level of the roof. Um, and then they repel down, but then Sally like slides down the rope behind them. Which re- the way he repelled, let's yeah. just point this out with his wife who is in labor at this point in time, right? Bouncing her off the building, he could have just slid down the rope without bouncing off the building. Let's face it. <laughs> wow. <Well>, okay. Maybe <laughs> he had like SWAT team training. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Um, so, and then he runs in, they run into the nearest like building, which happens to be like a video studio. Yeah. Um, but when they're in the video studio, she comes in to attack them, but they figure out that she's blind. Yes. Um, so they kind of dispatch her fairly quickly and easily, but then, um, they realize that she's like somehow still alive in all the video monitors. And she's like basically going to be coming out of the video monitors like the the first demon did. Yeah. Um, so they run around and they smash all the monitors. Yep. And then that's it. Yep. <laughs> Movie over. <laughs> the movie over. Yeah. So uh, what are your first thoughts on this? Um I mean again, it's 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 a it's basically like the plot of the first one. They just changed the theater to the high rise. Yes. I mean, it's more or less the same. I mean, it's better lit. <laughs> so, you know, cause there's, you know, I guess it's easier to showcase things, but yeah, I mean, it's basically like just a, a true sequel. It's like literally take the storyline from the first one and just the same storyline in the second one. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's essentially what it was. It was essentially just the, the same movie. <laughs> Yeah, um, just slightly cheesier, and that was <laughs> that's basically all there is to it. Yes, it definitely is cheesier, without a doubt. Um, but like I said, it's just it's an interesting thing. Like I, I was rewatching it, and we discussed it off bottle. Discussing here, obviously, too, was whether what they were watching was a movie or a documentary of it actually happening. Because at, at, what made me think it was a movie was essentially showed that gun-toting family that saved George and Cheryl at the end of the first one was different people playing them. So uh, to me, there's confusion if this was a, if the first one actually took place versus it being a movie in this movie's universe or, or whatnot. Well, it was just, it, I, it was very confusing because there was stuff yes. happening where I wasn't too sure what was going on. Yes. And that like, Characters that were in the movie were later on in the high rise. Yes. Um, again, like uh, with no explanation on how they got there. I mean, you assume Correct. that they also came through the TV, but they don't show that. They're just, they're just there. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I, when I was watching it, I took it as the first movie happened and the world like got a, taken over by demons, but one city managed to wall itself up. 
and like leave them out. And then they were still living inside this city. And that was where the high rise was. Okay. Uh, Because I mean, like the demons came after them and they didn't seem all that surprised. Like there wasn't a whole lot of like, what are these? There was just more like, get the hell away from them. Like it, it seemed like they already knew what they were. Yeah. That's why, I, again, the, the, those clues kind of led me to believe that the movie that they were watching was like a real documentary and not just a movie. Okay. But, I mean, I could, I mean, I could be wrong. So I, I, I that was it, just, I the, took it as a movie. I yeah. I took it as a movie. It just didn't seem like a, it didn't seem like a continuation of the first one. You know what I mean? It seemed just like to be, uh, like, like we also discussed, like Return of the Living Dead Two, where Return of the Living Dead Two had the same actors who caused the zombie outbreak again, but in a different way. <laughs> well, I guess I watched Demons and Demons Two back to back. Yeah, and I was drinking. Okay, so by the time <laughs> we were getting towards the end of two, I was pretty, pretty deep in my cups, as they say. Yes, <laughs> those might be why some things weren't making sense. Yeah, I I watched them back to back as well without drinking. <laughs> Maybe I should have been. <laughs> Maybe. Like oh, I said, they were. I, I think they were. Probably I'm probably seeing them as better than they are because <laughs> I was drinking while watching them. Yeah. No. I mean, I think they were. I think they're true fashion of a sequel to a, a horror movie like that, where it doesn't make any sense. I so said, we'll get that into Night of the Demons, where it doesn't make any sense. There's, they're there again. It's just a different atmosphere. And I'm okay, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. This is definitely going to be a rewatch, just to try to figure things out a little bit better for me. Um, okay, so what about highlights for you? Uh, highlights uh, is again the music. The music is is great in this one. They They did the same kind of thing what they did in the first one. They actually had like real like normal contemporary music of that time period <laughs> um it was pretty cool i mean they had like songs by like the cult in there and i mean it was yeah it was yeah it was it was good it was it was the smiths were in there yeah as well yeah, yeah it was fun it was it was good it was like i said it was a like an actual like real soundtrack it's like most movies in the 80s they had songs that tried to sound like certain genres yeah. or or artists but it wasn't them and they always sounded terrible and cheesy but this is one of the rare ones that actually like uses the real music of the time yeah which again to add that this it, movie <laughs> is the one that picks the real right the real music right. or like the big you know blockbuster movies are picking this you know generic stuff that they're making for the movie right that's fair um yeah i mean highlights for me the 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 dog was pretty interesting to see a dog transform into a demon like it had eyes underneath its nose and just like peeled back and it was, like i said it was interesting and yeah, it to looked me, like this, a, a demon came out of his mouth yeah and was like like pushing off the the dog head yes. <laughs> as like a hood onto its real head yes and then i think is i think it was interesting having the different people the same actors play different people, and this is kind of just a way to do it. That's what that's why I'm that's why I'm comparing it to, you know, Night or uh, or uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead 
or not Night of the Return of the Living Dead 1 and 2. It was the same idea. And just, that's just what it felt like to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely highlights were, they, they went, I'd, I'd say bigger in some of their effects. The Free yeah. Demons. Well, like I said, it was, yeah, there was better lighting yeah. <laughs> in this one. Uh, like I said, they, they did a lot more stuff. Like I said, they had the kid demon, they had the dog demon, they had the, you know, the little baby right. demon that came out. I mean, yeah, there was, I mean, there was a lot more effects to it. I'm assuming because the first one did well. Yeah. Yeah. So the, it was a more polished movie. Right. I would say. What about low points for you? Uh, my, I think my lowest point is Sally. Um, she was so freaking annoying. I mean, she was just like having a party and she was just not happy the whole time. I mean, her acting was terrible and she was just, just an annoying character. So it was almost like you're happy when she got turned into a demon because it shut her up. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, low points for me is the pseudo punks they had in the car this time. Oh, Jacob. Yeah. I never get, I never get caught speeding. Like, okay, that's their paint. They're, they're, they're doing an Easter egg homage to the punks in the first one. Mm-hmm. I would say, but that really Jacob was one of it. And that just didn't go anywhere other than crashing into the car of the home alone kids, parents. Yeah, that was it. I mean, again, it was, that's it. Yeah. They had this long, weird, like intro of like Jacob, coming to this building like all this big like lead up to it and then like it never went anywhere yeah so no that's my low point it's just that went nowhere <laughs> <laughs> all right so how many eye gouges out of 10 would you um i got this out of 10 i'll give it uh five five, five? eye gouges out of 10 just yeah, one one worse than the first one. Yeah, I mean that's 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 what I was thinking as well. That I would go down about one as well. I'm going to rewatch it. So I have no doubt about that in my mind at this point in time. Yeah, I'll probably rewatch them, but again, I will probably be drinking again when I do. So, uh, I'm going. I'm going straight down to a six. I'm going one and a half lower. Um, I said I, I saw I saw things in it from other movies about demons that may have inspired like nine of the demons and stuff like that. But I also did see a, what feels like evil dead, and evil Dead two vibes that they kind of picked up on for the demon effects and what they did and how they sounded. Now there was one effect that I know I've seen somewhere else and I don't know where it, it was probably like, I don't know, some kind of like, you know, horror, you know, t- ad or movie or, or something. Um, but I know I've seen the effect before and I know I've seen it a bunch of times. I just don't, I don't know where from what is the effect specifically. It was when the, the, the first demon was coming through the TV. Yes. And they showed his like actual face, but it was like getting weirdly like stretched out as it was like coming out. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like there, there was like a pressure pushing on the tube but so the and his face was like getting distorted because it was being pushed out. Yes. Like that scene I've seen somewhere before and I don't know where. Like it was probably in somebody's, you know, like you know how they have like intros to certain things. 
Uh, and they have like bits and cuts of like you know, other movies and and things like yeah. that in them. It's like it was like one of those type of things that that was from, and I have no idea where. I, I feel probably, like I'll probably I never feel like know, I feel like Freddy Krueger's done that. Yeah, but no, it was specifically that scene, like exactly okay. that. So, like whoever yeah. did this took the chunk out of Demons Two and put it in their little thing. But oh, I have no possible. idea where it was from. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. That did look familiar. Uh, we have never seen any of these movies, but I feel like we knew a decent amount about these without watching them. Uh, and again, I knew of them. I mean, I've, yeah, <laughs> I've known yes. of them for a long time. It just hasn't they haven't been high on my list. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think for, I'd say overall with our first spotlight on, on the works of Dario Gento, it, pretty solid alley <laughs> yeah no i mean the first two with like the actual like full argento movies were outstanding right and it really makes me excited to watch more argento movies right and, and that's and that's what i like about this this podcast is that we're doing this and find stuff like this that we definitely did not know about i would say in the 80s and 90s <laughs> you know what i mean right and rarely we we would never have seen these in our video store days. I don't recall ever seeing these. I don't either. For rent. Yeah, I mean, I haven't I haven't seen the covers of these until you know my adult life when I was right. looking into stuff like that. I never, I don't remember ever seeing these in the movie. Yeah, movie. Yeah, rental. Places. So yeah. So once we anything else do you want to add to this? Other than we're going to be doing more Argento movies. In the uh, yeah, future. I mean, yeah, at some point in time we will. Yeah. Okay. Want to take us out then? Uh, sure. Uh, okay. Join us next week as we review Killer Machines, which will include the fantastic Chopping Mall, Death <laughs> Machine, Screamers, and the newest entry into this category, M3 Gan or, <laughs> yes. or Megan. And there will be spoilers for that, obviously, because it's just coming out. You know, two days ago at the time of this recording. Yeah. So, yeah. So it will be a movie that we will be seeing in the theater. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We'll yeah, absolutely. We'll be seeing it in, we'll be seeing it in the theater. <laughs> and when we'll. Yeah, go over it next week. Um, but, yeah, I got to watch the other three, too. I've watched Chopping Mall fairly recently. So did I. So did I. I'm watching it again. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I'll watch it again. It, it's not close enough to where I remember everything, but I know right. I've watched it recently. But the other one, yes. Screamers, I have not seen it in a while. I have seen it before. Because it has Peter Weller. Well, well, it's Peter Weller, and it's based <laughs> on a Philip K. Dick story, so yeah, yep. I've watched all of those. Um, yeah. Death Machine, I don't think I've ever seen. And, of course, M3 Correct. again, I have not seen. Yep. Okay. Two and two. Yep. Hey, that's a good mix. That's why. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so this has been Graveyard saying have you checked on the children? This is Salem saying long live the new flesh. Good night. Good night.